0: Politics podcast,
1: the show for normal Americans from this undisclosed bunker. Here's your host, Tony Reid.
2: NASCAR is investigating a horrible
3: incident.
4: A horrifying, racist, jarring, disturbing,
5: heinous, perverted,
4: ugly, cowardly,
3: dreadful, hateful, stunning, shocking, appalling, disgusting reminder of who, again, this sport is for. A noose found in the garage stall of Bubba Wallace.
0: Obviously, this is completely appalling, but do you think it's surprising?
6: No, it's not surprising at all. And NASCAR is often considered a
7: sport that is tethered to white folk, tethered to the South. The Confederate flag in a
3: sport that is overwhelmingly white and certainly dominant uh, among Southerners. The NASCAR has been trying to somewhat move away from it, and I say somewhat in kind of air quotes.
2: They were going to remove Confederate imagery. Uh, to think that that's going to happen in a span of two weeks after all that NASCAR has has been for all of its existence. Um,
6: is foolish. <laughs> I mean, my cynicism and sadness is that it's just not shocking to anybody.
3: As much as NASCAR may try to distance itself from that, it's a living, breathing part of their sport.
6: We need to understand that racism continues to be the underbelly of American society.
8: I mean, that th- this happens in the year 2020 is just uh, beyond belief.
2: Let's just remember that until the last two weeks, NASCAR endorsed and embraced this sort of of performative racism week in and week out by embracing and wrapping itself in the Confederate flag.
9: And welcome back to Flyber Politic Podcast. It's the twenty-sixth of June, Year of Our Lord, twenty twenty. And that was the media montage of Bubba. Got some good montages today because we talk about it on the show all the time, how it's amazing how the media and Democrats they just lockstep there there has to be a way they're passing messages because everybody instantaneously uses the same verbiage. It's incredible, but this incident alone is very telling, and it's something we'll go to in a second because first, I left Facebook You know, I sit on the show all the time and talk about how divisive, how really social media is what is ruining this country. And I'm kind of a hypocrite because I have a Facebook, I have a Twitter, I I signed up for Parler uh, just to see what it was. I mean, I truly believe Parler's not going to go anywhere, but, you know, conservatives want this. Echo-free, free free speech, but it's just an echo. All I see is conservative people posting the same stuff they do on Twitter over there, but there's just nobody to say you can't post it now. You know, there is bias in social media, and Republicans are censored on Twitter, but I don't think this is what they're going to want. But supposedly 500,000 people went there. Facebook initially was always the coolest thing ever. I mean, you got to catch up with your old friends and... You know, I had an incident yesterday where somebody fact-checked me. They fact-checked me so quick, I was literally using the latrine. By the time I got back to my my living room, my phone dinged, and I looked, and this person had fact-checked with Snopes, which most of us know Snopes is pretty liberal, and there's no way to disprove or prove that they're not liberal because they don't have any information but they're financed by Facebook. So that pretty much says all you need to know about what Snopes is. And I had posted a post that was on Twitter and I had waited to post this on Facebook for like three, two weeks. It came out two weeks ago when it happened. This random person had posted that they're going to put, they want to see white people hung and left hung hanging in the gallows. And it, Go, goes with a lot of the horrible things that, you know, we have one in here today where a guy got arrested for threatening officers, but his tweet's still on Twitter, and he said, I'm going to go kill some cops. It's in the woke section today, which, by the way, we have two separate podcasts. We're doing a politics now. We're going to do a woke for our second, because I have some... Have to revisit something we did a long time ago, because I think it's really funny and very apropos of what we're living right now. We're going to do how PCU predicted what we are right now. And we did this like two or three years ago, so people knew the show won't remember it, and people who were with the show the whole time, well, well you're going to hear it and go, oh, I remember, that was funny. Um But long story short, so I sent a message to this person, and I said, you know, you can unfollow, I mean, are you fact-checking all my stuff? I mean, really, do we need to part ways? What the hell, dude? person just unfriended me. And for about five minutes, I was offended. Now, this is a person I served with from 2003 to five. He was a major, so he was an officer. It wasn't like we were friends. We took a photo together. It's a funny photo from my time in the Army. And every time it comes up at my feed, I repost it. And that's the only time we talk. And then I stared at the 400 and some odd people, which have gone down during this by about 20, not that I kept track, but I remember having like 440 and then it was 410 and it was 420 and then it was 415 and then it was, I mean, I noticed people were leaving over me posting positive things or negative things about the whole BLM thing. And I go, you know, what do I get from social media? I mean, after you meet somebody and and reconnect from high school or maybe it's college for you, for me it's the military, you talk a little, and then that's it. For me, it was a defining line the moment I stopped working for a military supply company, everybody in the military stopped talking to me. Cause I got them free shit, but nobody reaches out. I mean, nobody, let's be honest, I'm a realist. Nobody will even notice I deleted my account because they really don't talk to me. It isn't like people sitting other than my brother and sister and my parents. We all read each other's stuff, but we can text and we do text And I thought about what I say on the show. How divisive social media is. And I'm telling you this not to be some teenager throwing a fit. I tell you this because the moment I deleted it, my day got better. My mood changed. My mood had been pretty foul through all of this. Because every time I went to Twitter, I read something that pissed me off. Every time I went to Facebook... It just made me angry and I was an angry person through all this. I mean, there is a level we should be angry because our country's really fucked up right now, but I just read and that's why I posted the gallow thing. A friend of mine, well, not a friend, a guy I served with, let's be honest, I say friends, but we're not friends. We don't know each other. Even this guy that upset me that he deleted me, I don't know him. I knew him 17 years ago. Who he is now, I don't know that guy. I really don't. <clears throat> but this guy had served with me in the company that I went to combat with. And we had talked a lot for a while, then we just stopped. We just stopped talking. Like every other one of your Facebook, Twitter friends, whatever. You interacted for a while, then you just stopped. You don't know why you did. He just did. And he had posted a positive interaction with the police he carries just like I do told the officer they took him out of the car because of the gun they were respectful and he posted this post and he kind of ended the post with you know I I just post this because it's not all bad not all cops are bad there's a lot of memes going around with bad cops a few in a pile a large pile of good cops And it goes through every other, you know, profession we have. There's always some good and there's always, you know, there's always some bad, but there's a lot of good. But we seem not to focus on that. I noticed at the bottom there was like 250 comments. I perused through a few and it was all negative. And then I noticed he had posted a second post. You know, I'm really kind of surprised with all the pushback on my positive. I wasn't saying that black people are this or that. I was just saying that this was a good interaction. I thought at this time it was good to do it. And that had already had 90 more comments from normal people. We're not talking black people from BLM or white people from Antifa. We're talking normal people. And it struck me, this poor guy was defending himself from people that really weren't his friends for an opinion. Then I get this incident with the individual and I go, you know, nothing is good on social media. There is no redeeming things because the amount of good things that you interact with somebody or the good positive story is buried by the negative And what has made this guy that I don't really know from 17 years ago become a fact checker to disprove anything against the narrative? And then I'm laying in bed, and the wife wants to watch politics shows, and I don't. I just don't like watching them. And I was going to save this for later in the show, but... I think it sums up the whole show we're going to do right now, the politics side. America really is brainwashed. This is from Tucker Carlson.
10: The folks in law enforcement that share the goals of reimagining policing.
11: Reimagining policing in the 21st century.
12: Rethinking and reimagining policing. Community efforts to reimagine policing. To reimagine
13: policing. We have to reimagine what policing looks like. Reimagining
3: policing, reimagining
13: our
10: public safety. Reimagine a citizen-led approach. You can begin to reimagine law enforcement.
6: Reimagine public safety in this country. What can we do to reimagine
14: public safety? Reimagining public safety.
12: To reimagine public safety. We must reimagine what public safety looks like.
14: You
9: don't notice it's happening, but we went from a really, really bad phrase, defund the police, and then overnight, every Democrat, every media person just said, reimagine. It was like clockwork. And it's with everything. I mean, I've said it on the show a billion times. The thing I really admire to an extent, even though it's brainwashing, and and I'm jealous of is the way that progressives in, just instantly lockstep. I mean, they don't back off anything. Conservatives do. I mean, quickly. Quickly. They, they instantly just go with whatever i mean with all the things wrong in our country and i was going to play another tucker monologue because this his is so good and it really sums it up but i mean are the people that were supposed to protect us against all this bullshit the people we vote for not because we're conservative not because we like republicans literally we're in lockstep that we needed police reform They didn't go after what all of us look at is what in the fuck is going on? Why are statues being toppled and businesses being burned down and parts of cities being occupied by people? Why is that okay and why aren't we, why isn't our federal government doing anything? I mean, last night, Tucker Carlson had a monologue that was, you know, pissing everybody off. And so, you know, that's why... my wife flipped to it because we're reading it on twitter and conservatives were just pissed but he was spot on during a time when you think that Tucker Carlson or uh Trump would be the guy cuz he predicted china was fucked up and he's a law and order guy nothing's happened nothing's changed cuz republicans yeah all cops are racist Oh, we do need reform. And I truly believe it's because of the brainwashing. I mean, you're constantly brainwashed. You're constantly told over and over and over and over incorrect stuff. And an organization that, once again, we're going to show in this podcast, that is a fucking un-American organization. I'm not going to use the word terrorist. I'm not going to give that as something you can argue away if you're progressive and listening to this. BLM is an un-American organization that doesn't want America. They want a socialist country and are pretty fucking racist. They are mainstream now. Corporations, everybody's giving them money. It used to just be George Soros and the Ford Foundation. That's it. Now it's everybody. Everybody's giving them money. They are more popular than Congress. They're more popular than the President. They're more popular than Taylor Swift. Yet nobody knows anything about them. We have sound bites today of Senators literally saying, there is no Antifa. It's made up. Even though we have Don Lemon, Todd, and... Chris Cuomo giving shout outs to him. But it's, it's almost demoralizing when once again we just see Smollett, as I segue into our first A block, the Bubba. So here is the media, and then him brought on, and mind you, the Don Lemon soundbite is after we've already proven it wasn't true.
4: A horrifying racist incident marring NASCAR's reopening at the Talladega Super Speedway in Alabama where a noose was found in Bubba Wallace's garage stall. NASCAR saying it is outraged. This comes two weeks after Wallace, who is NASCAR's only full-time black driver, convinced the stock car racing series to ban Confederate flags at its tracks and facilities. A plane also flew overhead this weekend trailing a Confederate flag with a banner saying, Defund NASCAR. Wallace tweeting overnight, today's despicable act of racism and hatred leaves me incredibly saddened and serves as a painful reminder of how much further we have to go as a society and how persistent we must be in the fight against racism. Well, joining me now is Jamel Hill, contributing writer for The Atlantic and host of the Spotify podcast. Jamel Hill is unbothered. We're all bothered by this. This is just such a, a dreadful a dreadful turn when your Bob Bubba Wallace had been so courageous in standing up for what he believes in and in changing the sport
3: Uh, yeah I mean for him um, you know what he's done how he's been able to speak to some issues that frankly you pretty much never see discussed in NASCAR and for the blowback and the reminder the painful reminder of just how much people are invested in remaining and maintaining racist institutions. For him to get that message, um, I think uh, it's just beyond unfortunate. It's sad. Um, But NASCAR, they've had to deal with maybe not directly nooses and stalls, but the shadow of the Confederate flag being considered a symbol that you often saw at NASCAR races, these very overt reminders about who this sport is exactly for and who should be a fan of this sport. Um, this is something that they've been dealing with a long time. And unfortunately, in this way, these issues bubble to the surface.
4: And that had to be an impediment to NASCAR reaching out to a broader audience, as well as having more drivers uh, be want to even be part of the sport.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think most people of color if you've attended a nascar race or even thought about it there are just certain symbols and a certain mood and a certain sentiment that has been bubbling at the surface of nascar events and nascar has been trying to somewhat move away from it and i say somewhat in kind of air quotes but at the same time you know as someone who's attended um several nascar races there it's hard for people of color to feel comfortable in these environments. When you see the Confederate flag everywhere, when you just get this sense that you're at something that you're not welcome at, um, as much as NASCAR may try to distance itself from that, it's a living, breathing part of their sport. And you have a black driver. You have an opportunity here to open this sport up in a new way. And so for this reminder, this very stunning, shocking, appalling, disgusting reminder of who, again, this sport is for, Um I'm very curious as to see how NASCAR handles this, because based off what everything I've read is that this had to be an inside job because this garage was only open to essential personnel. So somebody associated with NASCAR likely may have been the culprit, which what does that say for a sport that's trying to create uh, a more positive racial future?
10: You have an update, by the way, on an FBI investigation involving the NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace. I don't mean to take a bit of a turn here, but we got this breaking news, and it's... Um, Well, it's important to get it out there. What do you got, Pete? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, remember, Bubba Wallace said he found this noose, and so the FBI was investigating whether there was some sort of a hate crime here, and now they say no, there wasn't, and here's why. They say they've now concluded that that noose was in the specific garage, garage number four at NASCAR, as early as last October, October of 2019. Bubba Wallace didn't get assigned that garage until last week. And so the Justice Department says there's no way that whoever put that noose there would have known that Bubba Wallace was ultimately going to be assigned that specific garage. So they say there's, there's, no, there's no federal crime here.
6: So the fact that we have a noose uh, in a garage, in, 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 in Bubba Wallace's garage, uh, that's just one indication that there's going to be a pushback. Uh, but as we challenge um, uh, these old views of who we take ourselves to be, um, we're going to be moving into these spaces country music, NASCAR, uh, the South, generally. Um, And there we're going to have to confront... Our ugliness directly. Hmm. Uh,
10: it's not going to be easy, but we're going to have to do it. So, Eddie, you know, one of the things that happened I found uh, just as striking in some ways in the other direction uh, was a, the reaction among some conservatives to the bubble Wallace story. There was, I guess, inevitably, you had people like Dinesh D'Souza and, and Mark Dice and, and others who came out immediately and said, you know, that they think. Uh, that this is all made up, that the news, we didn't get to see the news, we didn't get to see pictures of the news, the picture we saw isn't really, it's a, you know, basically questioning the legitimacy of the story, claiming somehow this is a Jesse Smollett thing, that, that was obviously the right reaction and social media was, was to cast doubt on this, even at a time when we've seen six black people who've been found hanging from trees uh, around the United States in the last couple of weeks, in California, Georgia, New York, Oregon, Texas, uh, and a lot of them inexplicable unexplained not investigations ongoing some claims of suicide that have been cast out upon but even as we're seeing six african-americans hanging from trees in the last couple weeks you have a conservative reaction to Bubba wallace which says well this is obviously fabricated it's obviously fantasy um tell me a little bit about about what you think about that and whether at the same way that i found the support and the solidarity so moving i find the reaction incredibly infuriating And partly because it's kind of inevitable that that's the world that we now live in, in this very polarized political environment.
6: You know, John, it's infuriating, but it's very familiar. Uh, Jimmy Baldwin, the late American writer and critic, once said one of the most difficult and frustrating experiences of being black, or aspects of being black in this country, is that we're constantly having to convince white America that what is happening to us is real. Uh, And one could just simply substitute conservative America. Right? That we always have to convince uh, a certain segment of the population that the hell that we're catching is actually real. And the reason why we have to do that is because we have to confront this world of make believe, this willful ignorance, this innocence that so much of the country inhabits. And the reason why we inhabit that, that bubble of innocence, John, is because we don't want to confront what this, these, these events might say about us. Right? We don't want to, if we admit that what's happening in the country is real. We have to confront what we have done to allow it to happen. So this is a part of that American ritual, that American theater of race. Something ugly and barbaric and cruel happens. We deny it in order to protect our innocence, and then we move forward. This is what we've done for since our founding, and here we are in this inflection point. We have to challenge it for what it is so that we can imagine ourselves otherwise.
10: Hey glad there was no one I wanted to hear about more hear from more about this topic than you and uh, and you delivered as always. Thank you, my friend.
3: Some people are suggesting that this is a hoax or perhaps even staged by NASCAR to garner more support for the removal of the Confederate flag. But my understanding is that the only people who have access to the area where the noose was found are the racing teams and perhaps a few essential workers. So what would you say to those people who are doubting that this even happened
12: or that it's true?
15: Yeah, just like uh, Steve Phelps said, it offends me that people would go to those measures. But again, <clears throat> I'm not shocked. Uh, people are entitled to their own opinion to make them feel good, whatever, make them help them sleep at night. Um, but it is still an ongoing investigation with the FBI. I can now say I've talked to the FBI. Never thought that would happen. Um, but it's just uh, it's just unfortunate circumstances in, in, a, in a terrible time that we're in right now. Year 2020 will be one year to for sure forget um, moving forward. But, you know, it's 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 simple-minded people like that, the ones that are afraid of change. Um, they, they use everything in their power to defend what they stand up for. And instead of trying to listen and understand uh, what's going on, and, and like I said, it's still an ongoing investigation. We're still trying to figure out whoever did this crazy act of trying to Pinpointed on somebody and, and just go through it all. So it's, you know, I think it was better for me not to see it directly. I don't know how I would have reacted. Um, but it's all in their hands now, the FBI's hands, to to go through everything and try to figure it out.
4: Last week, Don.
11: All right. Randy Kay with the latest on the investigation. Randy, thanks for clearing that up, and we appreciate you joining us this evening. I want to hear now from Bubba Wallace himself. He is back with me tonight. Bubba, good evening to you. Uh, I think you've handled this like a champ. Uh, And I'm appreciative that you uh, came to speak to us uh, tonight because we first talked about the Confederate flag on this show and many other issues. So, again, thank you. So much has happened just in the last few hours. A federal investigation shows that this wasn't a hate crime. Talk to me about what's going through your head. How are you feeling right now? I can't hear Bubba. Bubba, we lost
15: your audio. There we go. I'm so sorry.
11: Talk to we, me about sorry. how you're feeling right now.
15: I'm uh, I'm pissed. I'm, I'm I'm mad because people are trying to test my character and the person that I am and my integrity. And they're not stealing that away from me, but they're just trying to test that. And uh, as a person, Don, that doesn't need the fame, doesn't need the hype, doesn't need the media. I could care less. I could give two craps about that. Um, but to, to sit there and, and read, and that's my problem. I'm reading too much into it and, and Are you investing too much media? time into it. I am. I am don't, I'm, don't, I'm,
11: don't, don't do
15: I know. that. I know, I know. I, uh, I'm i trying hard not to, and, and after tonight I'll probably turn my phone off, uh, unfortunately, until about 730 in the morning where the interviews start back up again and we get to it all over. But, Don, to, to hear my side of the story, and I don't mean to steal your spotlight of the show, but my Go side needs to be heard. Um, I don't know what time it was—about five thirty, six o'clock on Sunday evening. After the race has been called, garages are closed. Crews, my crew is on a plane back to North Carolina. Um, uh, we were—I was about to go out to dinner with a, f- a couple of fellow competitors, and we were talking about what time we were going to leave, uh, where we were going, and I get a, a phone call from—I'm um, in my motorhome. I get a phone call from the president, Steve Phelps. And it's a phone call, done that I'll never forget. It's one of those phone calls where you can automatically tell within the first couple seconds that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And and it immediately made me think of, oh, what did I do? What, what am I getting suspended for? Like, what did I say wrong in an interview? Whatever it was. Um, and so I'm thinking all the bad things or whatever it could have been that I had done, whatever I said. So he's like, right, we need to talk in person. So I'm like, okay. So he walks down to the motorhome, opens up the door, and... The look that he had on his face um, alerted me in a way that I'll never forget as well. And it's still thinking like, okay, what did I do? Let me know. And um, now, mind you, I got to the racetrack at, uh, I don't remember what time, 930, 10 o'clock, and slept all day just because that's... All we were able to do, go straight to my motorhome. That's the only place where I'm allowed to go. I'm not allowed to be in the mm-hmm. Um But the conversation that I had with Steve Phelps was, I would say, and I'm speaking for him, I'm, I would probably say one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing he's ever had to tell somebody. Um, tears rolling down his face, choked up on every word that he was trying to say, That uh, the evidence that he had brought to me that a hate crime was committed, quote-unquote. Um, and I immediately thought my family was in danger. And so I was about ready to call my mom and dad and to make sure everybody was okay. But um, it was in the garage stall that our car was at, and so I was kind of like taken back and not really comprehending everything. I was just like, "What?" But the way that I was communicating, like Steve was communicating to me that everything was going on. It was it showed the the testament to him and the character that he has and how he's representing the sport, and how he wants to stand up for what's right. and He's not going to tolerate any racist acts or anything. And I stand behind Steve. I stand behind NASCAR. Um, and like they said in their statements, if it happened again, they wouldn't change anything. They would do it all over again. Well, um, but I I never seen the news. I never reported it. Like I said, I was going to dinner. Uh, well, let, to, let me to jump to in here, Bob. Because yeah. no one is accusing you of,
11: of doing anything wrong. And the knuckleheads who are oh, criticizing are. you. i should yeah. no, 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 no. But you can't worry about that. Not anyone with any sense. And and fair-minded people are not accusing you of doing anything wrong. You were simply reacting to what NASCAR, what the head of NASCAR told you happened. Now listen, this is how I feel about it, okay? And people can think what they want. Um, Did NASCAR get it wrong? No, I shouldn't say that. Did they jump the gun maybe? Yes. But I am extremely happy with what, and I think most Americans are, what NASCAR is doing. And I think in this environment, and I have said it before, this hypercharged environment, that we should all cut each other some slack. Okay? Because if NASCAR hadn't done the right thing, if they didn't act the way they did, then people would be criticizing them for moving slowly. And so I think what they said was, we are investigating. And they investigated. And they found out that it wasn't a hate crime. So, did they perhaps act quickly? Yes. Did they get it wrong? Somewhat. But I think that people will forgive them for this mistake because of the times that we're in. And so, and I think that you have conducted yourself in, uh, you know, amazingly. So, I don't think you should be worried about that. I think that you and NASCAR should pick up from here, go on, and continue to do what you're doing. You have the support of all of your team members and NASCAR. And so, look at this as... Something that happens when you are evolving and changing, everything is not perfect. And I mean that about everyone. We're in such a hypercharged environment with the coronavirus, with racism, with watching people die on television, with seeing Confederate flags that were banned. Let's not forget, the people out there still feel the way, a certain kind of way about you and about that flag. So I don't think that, um, that you should feel badly about
15: what happened. Uh, no, I know. and I, I, I'm with you on that. And I appreciate those words. And, and, you know, you talked about it earlier, the people don't want to hear the truth. And I, I, people that want to know me and want to get to know me, the new fans that have come into the sport, I appreciate it. What you, One thing you'll you'll never take away from me is how 100% I am, how raw I am, how real I am, and how I'll shoot it to you straight each and every time because that's how I was brought up and that's what I stand by. And in my statement on Sunday night, and this will not break me, none of the, the – the, allegations of, of being a hoax will, will will break me or tear me down. Will it piss me off, absolutely, but that only fuels the competitive drive in me to shut everybody up, to get back out on the racetrack next weekend in Pocono and showcase what I can do behind the wheel under tremendous amounts of BS, whatever it is you want to say. You um, won't break me. You won't tear me down. Again, I will still stand proud of where I'm at.
9: You're going to continue to be out
15: front, right?
9: I mean, I think it's an amazing thing because Understand, during this time, there was a noose in Santa Clara. It was bullshit. There was a noose here. It was bullshit. There's been, like, every noose since 2019 has been bullshit. But our media lockstep, just lockstep. Oh, it's true. People are putting nooses up. Because people are getting lynched all the time. It happens all the time. There's KKK white supremacists running around lynching but there's not but when you're lockstep and you don't actually you don't disprove I mean not to go back to my Facebook incident but it's a person that disproved me with not being able to prove that it's actually true or not that was what Snopes said but in our society Snopes, fact check, politifact false because we couldn't prove it and that's how it works, that's the left we go, we can't prove it so it's not true Matt Walsh, we're hearing from Bubba Wallace and NASCAR people that it's offensive and hurtful that anyone would question the veracity of the news claim, yet these people have the power to dispel the theory and embarrass those who advance it simply by showing us a noose but they refuse to they didn't release it till now that fucking noose has been there forever Why it's there, nobody knows. I mean, there was an incident this week of a piece of twine on a track somebody made a noose out of. And another track where somebody had taken the pull rope on their garage and made a noose. Why? Nobody knows. Chuck Vipperman, this emotional coercion on part of NASCAR, I mean, I'm not convinced that the story was contrived. NASCAR is fucking this up as usual. Five million in car parts and tools and garage, as well as numerous cameras and security guards, but there's no video because there was no video. There never was anything. It, it's not true. It was never true. It was fake. NASCAR needs to respond to those photos suggesting the bubble walls news is really a NASCAR releases a statement that the FBI determined the noose has been positioned there since last fall. These are all happening in rapid succession. But then there's the thing that nobody literally said, okay, we can send 15 agents from the FBI down to look up a noose. But we can't research any of these people that burned down the Amazon warehouse, that burned down most of Minneapolis, toppled statues, beat and murdered people on the street. Nobody's out there rounding those people up. We went after a noose that wasn't a noose. Cal (laughs) Cashtub sums it up well. Let's do a little recap. So Bubba didn't even see the news himself. He heard about it secondhand. He proceeded to blow up the story and ride the huge PR wave. Turns out from FBI investigation, it was a pull-down rope that's been there for years. So it was all fake. Washington Post. Same day. Racist hate for Bubba Wallace was inevitable. Now NASCAR must stand with him. NASCAR Bubba Wallace was not target of a hate crime, FBI fines. Same day. But just like hands up, don't shoot, that's still in the lexicon and is not even real, even after Holder and Obama saying it's not real, and I say that every show because there's still people in the streets saying hands up, don't shoot. Jamel Hill. It was a noose. We just don't believe it was directed at Bubba Wallace. I know facts nor context is not your strong suit, but do try to keep up. Everybody, it was not a news, but Jamel Hill uses fake news as justification to call all fans of NASCAR racist. Hill called the original fake news report a stunning, shocking, appalling, disgusting reminder of who this sport is for. Because that's a sport they hate. Just like Christianity, they hate it because those people don't vote for us. Matt Wash again. LOL, NASCAR drivers escorted Bubba around the track and heroically showed their solidarity with him as he openly wept over a pull-down cord in a garage. My God, it's full of idiocracy. I literally posted something that got retweeted like 50 fucking times where I said, well, the left wins again. I canceled my pull-down rope on my garage because I don't want Anafa and Black Lives Matter to burn my shit down. And since he's not a victim, I go and research this guy. NASCAR driver Rage quits eSports race. Fired by his sponsor, Bubba Wallace, drove again Monday night with a new paint job. At the end of the last race, he literally threw water into somebody's face because he got pissed off that they cut him off. And everybody in the world showed that that's just racing, but it's just like fucking. It, it is just like what a Days of Thunder. Rubbin's racing simultaneously, hate crime hoax, black man responsible for racist graffiti at Salisbury University, a black man has pled guilty to charges related to recently discovered racist graffiti at Salisbury University in Maryland that he did himself. But that doesn't come out ever. Ever. They never bring those out. They never show that. You just can't. Because if you do that, well, you know, you're a piece of shit. Abdunin Abubi, uh, Jackson played guilty to five counts of vandalism, Salisbury student Abdun Badudi, I can't say his name. I don't want people to get this idea that since a man wrote that, that and he was a black person, well, anything that happens now, you African American people can't criticize white people about race. That's how they handle fake stories. Sarah Spain, right? That too. None of the other drivers are still with Bubba said, hey, it was probably a door pole. And all of them supported him because they found it completely believable that someone would do this. What does that tell you about NASCAR and what they need to clean up? Jamel Hill drags Megan Kelly. Jamel Hill clapped back hard at Megan Kelly. This is a mediaite. Remember, Dan Abrams, his site. For demanding apology for NASCAR news incident involving Bubba Wallace, as did a slew of verified Twitter users, like most Hoth white conservative media personalities, th- this is okay to write, you can disparage white people, it's all good, Kelly jumped on the FBI finding a no criminality in the incident and went a step further by demanding an apology. For comments, Hill made during an interview with MSDNC's uh, Andrea Mitchell, as someone who's attended several NASCAR races, it's hard for people of color to feel comfortable in these environments. When you see the Confederate flag, blah, 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 I'm a victim. As much as NASCAR may try to distance itself it is a living, breathing part of the sport, Hill called the incident a stunning, shocking, appalling, disgusting reminder of who the sport's for. And then he goes down, I'm not going to read it all, of her just dogging Megan Kelly because Megan Kelly... Didn't literally toe the line. Then, of course, MSDNC brings out Al Sharpton. Charles C. Cook. You think everybody would be happy and relieved that there was no hate crime here, but some people seem to be trying to will one into existence, in spite of facts. In Sharpton's defense, he's done worse, said Educated Hillbilly. Jeff Knox. The knot in the garage was a bowline knot. Al, a noose is meant to slide, so it can tighten. A bowline is used when it is desired to have a fixed circumference on the eye knot. I didn't even look at the picture because I knew all along it was bullshit. But Al Sharpton is just like Jamel Hill. So from now on, it doesn't matter that the FBI, who is now once again a honorable organization because they're anti-Trump, but they were horrible when they were anti-HRC which they never were, but, yeah, it doesn't matter. Not to Al.
16: We should take it as good news that someone didn't place it into his stall specifically as the only full-time black driver in NASCAR who pushed to have those Confederate flags removed from NASCAR events, and NASCAR did take that step last week. But it does appear there was a noose, as the FBI is calling it, placed in that garage last fall.
13: The FBI identified it as a noose, a NASCAR uh, said it was a noose or so went along with the FBI's characterization, it was a noose. So the question is, even if they did not know that Bubba Wallace was going to use that stall, why was a noose in the stall? It's clear what a noose represents. And I think to to go whether or not they knew that sooner or later the one black driver would use that stall really doesn't answer why it was in the stall at all. And then did someone know that it was in the stall when they did belatedly assign Bubba there? So I don't think this answers a lot of questions. And clearly, from what we just saw of Bubba Wallace, it does not seem he, who is the victim and possible target in this matter, seems to be satisfied with this. So I do not think that we've seen closure in this particular uh, inquiry.
2: And Rabbit doesn't...
9: So. Basically, it's still going to be a noose. We're going to have black, hands up, don't shoot noose be in the lexicon, even though they're all fake. Bubba didn't apologize. Then Bubba was made to. First off, I want to say I am relieved I am that the investigation revealed that it wasn't what we feared it was. And that whole statement, I will not read because it was forced. It was just... Forced by Asgard. Because he wasn't. Nobody in the media was. And it's the most amazing part about all of this. Thus I played the lockstep fucking reimagine. They don't want it to be not true. It's like you can see the wind come out of progressive in the media sale. Whenever one of these things comes out to be false. I've yet to see this one reported. Santa Clara noose appears to be a dock line for a boat. I'm aware of a report of a noose being found in our community. The sheriff has been notified, of investigations underway. Hate like this is no place for community, and whoever is responsible must be prosecuted. You have information, please report to LASD. It's a dock line. The, the noose was found near North Park. Off Grandview Drive in Santa Clara last night, a Valencia resident disgusted with the display. Worked to cut it down this morning to assure no one felt intimidated or unwelcome in the neighborhood. It's a dock line. But they didn't put out a whole statement. Mayor Cameron Smith didn't say, we're really happy this wasn't a dock line. It was a misunderstanding. It was just a dock line. Because that doesn't. It's not something they really want. They they want nooses. Buck Sexton, give it a couple days, there'll be a protester demanding that any rope with a loop at the end for any purpose be designated a symbol of hate. The stupidity of the Democrat mob knows no outer limit. I it can and will always get dumber. And then we get stories like this. Connecticut man arrested after tweeting, I'm going to kill a cop today. 24-year-old Connecticut man tweeted out, I'm going to kill a cop today. And with the hours, cops were at his front door. I'm going to kill a cop today. And when they asked me why I did it, I'm going to tell them he was acting nervous and looked at me wrong. Alexander Hassinger wrote in a tweet that was fired off at 1139 Wednesday to his 25 followers. It's still on Twitter. Checked it yesterday, checked it this morning before I walked down to the bunker. It's still there. We get violence because this is what they do. This is how they fire up the mob. And because I'm starting to feel like I am the person that's wrong because this lockstep is everywhere as we go to our first break, Here's Will Kane, Greg Gutfeld, and Tucker Carlson. It's a little long. And then when you're coming off the bumper to what is happening, because we can't stop saying all cops are evil, everybody's racist, our country is so brainwashed, they believe anything the media puts out. And the Democrats are getting exactly what they want Everybody's turning on each other.
17: It is
2: reasonable for people to assume, given the entire history of the South, to think that that was meant for Bubba Wallace. Again, no one's
14: presumption of innocence was being trampled here. People just made a rational assumption. While there was no assumption as to a culprit or someone whose reputation was blamed, there was an assumption as to the existence of a heinous hate crime. There was an assumption as to the existence of a racist act. And if you believe that has no cost, I simply think you're not paying attention to the last several months in this society. I cannot give NASCAR any credit. I think NASCAR deserves a massive indictment. It was a rush to judgment by NASCAR. If I read their statement from Sunday, it presumes that a racist act took place, that it was a heinous crime. It presumes the existence, that something terrible happened. And it did not. So what I'm telling you is NASCAR's motivations were other than being truthful. And you pointed it out. NASCAR wants a rehab of its reputation. And I celebrate a lot of that. Get rid of the Confederate flag. I said that on the Will Kane show. Move forward. But you do not build progress on the foundation of a lie. You cannot do that. Well, and NASCAR, like those people in the media, Stephen A., had a different agenda than the truth. But they wanted to – They want. hold on real quick. They wanted to advance their brand. Individuals in the media want to advance their likability. They want to advance their agenda or their, their Twitter likes, whatever it may be. But the, that we're giving in to weakness and fear and personal and industry brand building, and we're doing anything but pursuing the truth. And that will ultimately undercut everybody's purpose if you just are brave enough. And by the way, I disagree with you guys many times on opinion. I don't presume either of you disregard the truth. I I think you're both genuine seekers of it. But that is in desperate short supply.
18: It's a story the media loves. What could be better than a noose to encourage a riot? But the rest of us knew.
19: Just this disgusting display of hatred that happened overnight, a noose was found hanging in Bubba Wallace's garage.
13: He... A disturbing and sadly telling discovery overnight. A
20: noose was found hanging in the garage of Bubba Wallace. A noose was found...
12: An ugly message of hate was placed in his garage. I think it's
5: incredibly upsetting and discouraging that this noose was found...
18: Jeez. So this prompted much support from NASCAR for Bubba, which was very nice... But then the real news came out. The noose was a garage door pool that had been around well before Bubba ever arrived. So it's a misunderstanding. It wasn't Bubba's fault. He was told about it. So time to move on, media. Except some can't. Not when they've sunk so much effort into this. Right, Al?
13: It's clear what a noose represents. And then did someone know that it was in the stall when they did belatedly assign Bubba there. I do not think that we've seen closure in this particular uh, inquiry.
18: So how does Al still get a pass on this stuff? It's as if all the anchors who interview him willfully forget Tawana Brawley. So even after FBI's 15 agents concluded Wallace wasn't a hate crime victim, the media still can't let it go. So what should end up as a tense mix-up becomes media-driven race bait. As the story fades, the media tries to give it CPR to keep the dissent alive, which means egging the athlete on. It's not fair to Bubba. The good news, a racist act turns out, once again, not to be racist at all. The bad news, the race baiters don't care. Because for the media, evidence of racism is a good thing, even if it's not real. It's their way of weaseling out of their role in unleashing the lie. People who said it was a garage door pool were called conspiratorial. Yeah, people who saw the obvious explanation for a rope tied to a garage door, they were the whack jobs versus those who saw it as a racist plot. Turns out that half the suburban homes in America are guilty of systemic racism. This just days after nooses discovered in a park turned out to be exercise rings installed by a black man. Again, it's the contrast. The left commits genuine acts of deadly violence, and it's called protest. Meanwhile, non existent crime is blamed on a law abiding public. So, who is hoping for hate? Look for the people with the press passes. All right, I don't want to read the statement uh, uh, from Bubba Wallace. It's actually a really good one if they would put it up in the prompter. It's been an emotional few days. Uh, First off, I want to say how relieved I am that the investigation revealed that this wasn't what we feared it was. I want to thank my team, NASCAR and the FBI, for acting swiftly and treating this as a real threat. I think we'll gladly take a little embarrassment over what the alternatives could have been. Make no mistake, though some will try, This should not democrat from the show of unity we had on Monday and the progress we've made as a sport to be a more welcoming environment for all. All right, Dana. You are the public relations maven. That was a great (laughs) statement, I thought, because he was able to admit that it's better off not having a hate crime and looking silly. However, why did he have to go on Don Lemon and all these other shows and come off, like, this would have been perfect, the best response.
21: Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Over the weekend, as you likely know, officials in New York announced that they are tearing down a bronze statue of Teddy Roosevelt. That statue has stood on Central Park for 80 years. Antifa demanded its removal, so Mayor Bill de Blasio complied, and he's taking it down. Few people ever could have imagined that Teddy Roosevelt would be canceled. Roosevelt was the most popular president in American history. He was also a war hero and a historian, a naturalist, a rancher, a chief of police, an author, conservationist, as well as the father of six. At one point in Roosevelt's extraordinarily busy life, he was also the governor of New York. This morning, the current governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, weighed in on his removal.
22: People are making a statement uh, about equality, about community, uh, to be against racism, against slavery. Uh, I think those are good statements, and um, it depends, you know, can you overdo it? Of course you can. But uh, in New York, I don't think we've overdone it, and I think that, I think it's a healthy expression of people saying let's get some priorities here and let's remember the sin and mistake
21: that these, this nation made, and let's not celebrate it. Were you listening carefully to that? In the state of New York, the governor tells us, we haven't overdone it, Destroying public property is, quote, a healthy expression of people saying, let's get some priorities here. Okay, so that's the standard set forth by a Democratic Party leader. Let's think it through for a minute. Andrew Cuomo lives in the governor's mansion in Albany. Teddy Roosevelt once lived there, too. So did governors Grover Cleveland and Franklin Roosevelt. By current standards, both Cleveland and FDR were racists. Cleveland extended the Chinese Exclusion Act. FDR, of course, interned Japanese-Americans by the tens of thousands during World War II. Therefore, like the statues now lying smashed on the ground in parks across the country, the governor's mansion in Albany, New York, is suffused with the spirit of white supremacy. Its very existence as an object is an act of violence against marginalized people. It cannot stand. Should the mob burn it down? Would torching the racist governor's mansion amount to a, quote, healthy expression of people saying, let's get some priorities here? What do you think? Are you crazy? Of course not. Andrew Cuomo lives in the governor's mansion. You get within 20 feet of that building and he'll have one of his goons shoot you to death. Andrew Cuomo is all for destroying things, just not his own things. And by the way, hands off New York's latest monument, the Mario Cuomo Bridge, formerly the and Z which Andrew named after his father. That's off limits, too. Okay, so what exactly is, quote, a healthy expression of moral priorities in a moment like this? Keep in mind, this is a big country, and not everyone has the same priorities. It may be hard to believe if you consume a steady diet of popular media, but not every single person in America is an upper middle class white kid from Brooklyn with the predictable political views to match. There is actual diversity of views out there. For example, There are quite a few Muslim Americans in this country. and Many of them don't love Mahatma Gandhi. They consider Gandhi a Hindu nationalist. Yet at the same time, there are dozens of statues of Mahatma Gandhi in the United States. One of them, in fact, stands right across the road from the Vice President's House on Massachusetts Avenue in Washington. Are angry mobs allowed to rip them down? Would Governor Andrew Cuomo consider that a healthy expression of priorities? Worth asking. Or what if you didn't like Martin Luther King? Most people do like Martin Luther King, but most people also like Teddy Roosevelt and George Washington. So clearly, popularity has no bearing on whether your statue is allowed to stand in this country. So can you spray paint obscenities on Martin Luther King's monuments if you don't like him? How healthy would that be? These are theoretical questions. Obviously, you know the answer to them because you know the rules. The rules are never spoken out loud, but they are obvious. America has two standards of justice. When they do it to you, it's social justice. If you dare to defend yourself, it's a hate crime. Consider what we've seen recently. How many stores and parks and statues and public buildings have been destroyed recently by rioters? How many churches and memorials and monuments to our fallen soldiers have been desecrated by them? Too many to count. Now ask yourself, how many people have been held accountable for these crimes? Some? A few? No, hardly any. Recently, a NASCAR driver called Bubba Wallace claimed that someone left a noose in his garage in Alabama. The media reacted as if a war had broken out, wall-to-wall coverage, that made it precisely clear who the enemy was. And of course, countless syrupy segments on the dopey morning shows, framing the whole thing as a milestone in the march toward civil rights.
2: These scenes of unity coming just 24 hours after a noose was found in Wallace's team garage stall, an area restricted to only essential personnel. NASCAR and the FBI are now investigating.
21: These scenes of unity. Unfortunately, no one covering this story ever bothered to ask the obvious questions. Where exactly was this noose, the actual noose Bubba Wallace kept talking about? No picture of it ever surfaced. And by the way, haven't we heard this story somewhere before? Like, repeatedly? Between 2015 and 2018, there were six high-profile so-called hate crimes involving nooses. All of them were promoted heavily by the media. Every one of them turned out to be a hoax. Every single one of them. And that's not even counting Jussie Smollett. The odds that this noose hate crime was real were always very small. It's just not a very racist country, actually, in the end. Most of us know that. But you never know it from listening to the authorities. The U.S. attorney suggested federal charges would be brought. Brought against whom? That was never clear. Meanwhile, the FBI swooped in by the van load. The Bureau sent at least 15 agents to investigate this provocation against a millionaire race car driver. 15 agents. At a time when mobs were roaming the country completely unchallenged by law enforcement. Burning things, assaulting people. In the end, as you may have heard, it was, needless to say, yet another news hoax. There was no hate crime in Bubba Wallace's garage. We'll have details on that story later in the show. But for now, what does it tell you that the FBI and federal prosecutors fell for this hoax so completely? Well, it tells you everything. At the very moment Bubba Wallace was doing his star turns as America's latest victim of injustice, lecturing his fans about their racism, being backed up completely by the morons who run NASCAR, A mob of violent lunatics was ripping down a statue of American patriot Francis Scott Key in San Francisco. On Key's empty pedestal, they spray painted these words, which effectively are their slogan. Quote, kill the colonizers, kill whitey. In other words, murder Americans for the color of their skin.
12: Back to Flyover Politics podcast with Tony Rea.
23: Move aside and let the man go through. Let the man go through. Move
24: aside and let the man go through. Let the man go through. Black person pointing to
23: privilege right? power is white. Done. My black wife is calling me. I'm out of conversation. That doesn't mean nothing about racism. Just because you have one black friend or a black wife, you can still be racist. It has nothing to do with your acquaintances. Wow, I must have been so intimidating all the police knew that way. That's impressive. Just with a little drive. It's not you're trying to have a conversation. You have a, a There's no point to have that Amazing. conversation Everyone knew that you, to, you have to be able to go yeah. 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 the whole yeah. yeah. thing. of are story. Everyone moves over. They couldn't even you handle it. A they couldn't handle it, sir. I wasn't to you, I to you, Oh, because I can't be racist, right? No, sir, I'm talking uh, to right. you. Yeah, exactly. Systemically, yeah, systemically no, sir. Systemically, racism can only be white. Systemically, sir. Individually, it can be a different color, but systemically, it can only be white. Well, you do you do it's what not a agenda, sir. It's not an agenda. It's the past, the present, and hopefully not the future, sir. i not exclusive. Good. I you an anti-racist then. How can I be? I mean, white, I'm here in You just a liar saying you have a, a, black, a, a black, 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 black and Get it I'm you. He like, yeah. I want to see a picture to believe that. How, how dare you, you? How, how dare you, 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 you make a ass out of his yeah. man's yeah. family? Yeah. How dare you make a? You so no No, 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 nothing about mean. him. You you look at the No, 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 no. Why would you assume it? Because he got you I'm me let me you I don't want to get COVID. The world has a sin problem. man. Okay. Jesus said, I'm the. Say
17: the truth and the light. no I'm one comes to the, the problem, problem,
23: problem except for me, okay? American people have sin. fun. You understand me? Right? That's what racism, injustice, and hate if and anger about us come from. It's not about, like like it's so not about like racism. That's about white. You understand me? Read
1: the Bible.
25: going on in Minneapolis. I mean with the, the police defunding
23: and and all of that. How how does that affect the, the community there? So
17: Okay, so so just to summarize it, right? Yeah. Majority of the people that are there, so they burned down my community. That was my community. That's where I used to hang out at down there uh, on Lake Street in Minnehaha, right? right? Yep. So that was my community they burned down. But here's the thing, okay, just in a nutshell, all those people, they want the police. But see this is typical of liberal liberal policies. They only want what's best for them in that moment. Not longevity. They don't they don't take they don't they don't take about the future. They don't think about that. They don't take it into consideration. Like okay, what's going to happen if we do this? This is why every inner city is basically I call them I call them Martin Day plantations. You get your provision, right? You know? Yep. No education? Yeah. A lot of violence to keep people oppressed and you sell them a false narrative that the white man is against you, you are oppressed. This is America. This is a land of opportunity. And when you look at history, you can be anything that you want to be. All you have to do is work hard at it. And so they talk about, there's there's income inequality. Thank you very no, you thank you very much. A lot of people don't want to put in the same amount of effort. So that's effort inequality. And and I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm, um, my family, I'm from Chicago. I grew up in a gangster, liberal family. And, basically, where I am right now, I don't talk to the majority of my family because they don't care about facts. I care about facts. And here's the thing, I want to make sure that I have an informed opinion, not just an opinion. So, I want to be on the right side of history. Because here's the thing, I mean, here's the ugly thing about it. This is the same policies, these are the same people, the slave master mentality, the same party that Abraham Lincoln had to fight against, the Radical Republicans, uh, the Civil Rights Movement, who they had to fight against, it was all Democrats that wanted all that crap. Segregation, Jim Crow laws, etc. All Democrats, they have fought against all civil rights legislation it's been Republicans that has voted for all civil rights legislation all through history. It's been Republicans. And I always tell my base, it's not about your color, it's just about the history, okay? The history is like Black Wall Street, 1921, they burn it down, I just... When you came off
23: your uniform, are you afraid of police? I have a,
26: I have a question for you. You're white and you're telling this to two black police officers.
23: Yeah.
26: Do you see the problem with that a little bit?
23: Um, No, I don't because, you know what, just because I'm white and I haven't
25: experienced racism myself doesn't mean I can't fight for justice. They're a part of the system. They're a part of the problem. Just because they're black doesn't mean they're not a part of the problem. Gotcha. I'm allowed to say this to whoever. Because I'm white, racism is a white person's problem.
23: Yep. Racism is my problem. I need to fix it. That's why I'm here talking to all of them. Black, white, fucking brown, purple, other... Hey. They don't care that you we just it, have right. cardboard. You you it, I fucking it, saw you. What's the fucking wrong with you? What I to stop I'm fucking your shit up. This is the country we live in. This is it. You're so fucking driving here. How the fucking do you do this? what's your name? How the fuck do you sleep at I'm like you. You better check your brothers. You know you got a bunch of Air Nation boys with you? Huh? You know that? Nah, you ain't know that, did you? Yeah! Look at their tattoos, bro. Look at their tattoos! Fucking monsters! The bad evil people! Oh! oh.
9: violent shit man we got dude with a knife in the head three black teenage girls beating the shit out of chip libs acting like fools i mean that one is literally sounds like something out of the fucking news and social media nuggets section but the media is all in andrea mitchell almost got attacked the first thing out of her mouth is where's the police
7: I don't want you to, I don't want to put you in a bad spot here, uh, but what are they saying about precisely why they're not wearing a mask? Do
10: you mind if I ask you guys, why not wear a mask? It's
25: not about the mask, it's about the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy that it is okay for tens of thousands of people to go and riot, to go and protest, but you cannot have a group of thousands or, I don't how many people are, are here? You is that okay? Are you
10: concerned about your guys' own health. I so why don't you cover the protesters and ask why they aren't wearing a mask? Why didn't you do that? The protesters at those events are wearing masks. Yeah, I'm, asking guys, you guys, you guys, I'm asking you guys. I'm asking you a question. Why don't you. I'm asking, ask, you, I'm asking you a question. You, I'm asking you a question. You ask a great number of folks why they're not wearing the masks. Question. Why aren't they wearing a mask? Well, why isn't the liberal news media focusing on them not wearing a mask? Could I ask you, sir? Why not you yourself? I'm asking you a question. You didn't answer my question. Answer my question first. Would you like to offer? I mean, does it concern you here?
25: Okay. No, it does not Why not? Because we've had okay. the virus in the States for how long? Do you think that you really
23: haven't come across somebody who
7: hasn't had it in Um uh, But what are they
10: saying about precisely why they're not wearing a mask? Do you mind if I ask you guys, why not wear a mask?
25: The mask. It's about the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy that it is okay for tens of thousands of people to go and riot, to go and protest, but you cannot have a group of a thousand or I don't know how many people are, are here. But this is not okay. Are you
10: concerned about your guys' own health. And I why don't you cover the protesters and ask why they aren't wearing a mask? Yeah. Why didn't you do that?
23: Get the fuck off! Get the- the top
9: Caleb Hole while standing in the Black Autonomous Autumn Black House Autonomous Zone NBC reporter Mitchell reports was almost just attacked her first reaction was to ask where the police were her whole network her herself her democratic establishment they have all said to disband the police now reimagine the police. Chris Hayes from her network. So the Madison crowd last night knocked over the statue of abolitionist immigrant who died fighting for the Union, a statue commemorating women's suffrages, and beat up a sixty year old state senator and left him lying on the ground. And people said collect connect the dots. You support this. He was a gay guy. He was beat the fuck down. We'll cover it in a second. They're so rabid. Brian Seltzer fact checks Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson on Fox just now. Black Lives Matter is in a very short period of time. has become the most powerful political party in America. Spoiler alert. It's not a political party. People snarkly went back. You're not a journalist either. But he's not making a literal statement. Brian, concrete thinking is alive and well among American journos. Abstract thinking is either painful or undoable, un, undoable. BLM raises money that goes to Act Blue, which is an arm of DNC, and money is distributed to election campaigns. Sounds like they work directly for the DNC. And that's why you did it. It wasn't to gotcha, Tucker. It's because unless you're a fucking brain dead person, who's walking around now believing the media, do you not think the BLM and DNC are connected? That's like saying the NRA and the RNC are not connected. And you wouldn't say that as a progressive. Though the NRA only donates about $10 million and the rest of your organizations from PPFA to BLM donate hundreds of millions to Democratic campaigns... It's the same thing. UC Berkeley, criticism of Black Lives Matter goes against our values. If we claim the criminal justice system is white supremacist, why is it that Asian Americans, Indian Americans, and Nigerian Americans are incarcerated at vastly lower rates than white Americans? This is a funny sort of white supremacy, a letter to the author says. And then they un- they just kill that person. Defund the police. Philadelphia Muslim leader calls for bloodshed. When Allah told Moses to go back to deal with the tyrannical ruler, to deal with the tyrannical system, did he tell him to spit in their faces? Did he tell him to stand outside and do public demonstrations? Did he tell him to behave a certain way, to clown the president, make up all types of memes, say this is about the president because it's the way you feel? Did he say to do all that and talk about, about the Pharaoh? So all this tweeting, speaking celebrity and follow them. Fuck Trump. That sounds good. Don't follow them. What to do instead? Wage violent jihad. To get brother freedom. Brothers is, is, is taking fighting. I'm sorry until you have to get divine intervention. Moses didn't need an army to fight. But go to Muhammad. Did Muhammad have to uh, fucking uh, kill motherfuckers. Is what he's saying. Kill them. And this is a BLM leader. We have numerous BLM stuff. In 1619 today. This is... Is who they are. Burn it
19: down. You said burn it down. It's time. So that makes me think I, that I you want that it's, you want to burn time. it down. I
16: said if this country, if this country doesn't give us what we want, then we will burn down this system and replace it. All right. And I could be speaking fiz- fit, uh, figuratively. Okay. I could be speaking literally. It's a matter of interpretation. Like,
9: and I hate to do this. Because I know I played a little section of media. Tell me there's any difference between that and CNN.
19: The head of
0: the Minneapolis Police Union is speaking out about the aftermath of George Floyd's killing at the hands of police as the city prepares to enact major police department reforms. The union chief says his organization has become scapegoats. He also accused the Black Lives Matter movement of participating in, quote, domestic terrorism. CNN security correspondent Josh Campbell sat down with the union leader and some of the union's board members.
20: Brianna, after nearly a month since the death of George Floyd and multiple requests for comment, the city's powerful police union is finally breaking its silence. I sat down yesterday for an interview with the union's president as well as some of its board members for a wide-ranging interview about the Floyd case as well as policing reform that we've heard calls for across the nation. Now it's interesting that these officers are not going out of their way to defend Derek Chauvin, the senior officer that's been charged with second degree murder in the death of George Floyd. In fact, I asked one of the board members what went through his mind when he saw that video of Chauvin's knee on George Floyd's neck. He said that he was horrified. Now, we hope to hear from Chauvin's attorney and his defense strategy when he appears in court this coming Monday. Now, it's worth pointing out that the theme that we saw from this interview appears to be a shifting of blame from the police department to city officials. The union saying that it's city officials and their leadership that is largely to blame for much of the destruction that we saw from in the wake of the death of George Floyd. The police union president also offering what some will see as very controversial comments about the group Black Lives Matter, equating some of them to domestic terrorists. Take a listen.
27: We have become scapegoats in this. We as our federation, our federation board, myself, uh, and it's unjust. Um, the, the people, to, since the fallout of the, the Floyd death, The people to blame lies lies squarely on the shoulders of our uh, political leadership.
20: You've also made very pointed comments about groups like Black Lives Matter, and you've actually referred to them as a terrorist organization. Do you believe Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization? There are portions of
27: it that certainly have participated in domestic terrorism and and look not just in Minneapolis but the other cities. And that's not them exclusively. There was Antifa there doing the same thing. So there are incidents where at Black Lives Matter uh, events, certainly terrorist activity takes place.
20: Now, what the union of president appears to be doing there is lumping together both the peaceful movements as well as those that involve people who actually cause destruction. Of course, it's worth pointing out that the overwhelming majority of protests we've seen across the country, especially those organized by Black Lives Matter, have been peaceful. Now, as far as where we go from here, there have been a number of pieces of legislation working their way through the state capitol calling for police reform. The union board, there are telling us that they haven't had time to read through all those bills, but they nevertheless say that they want a seat at the negotiating table. Is there any type of reform that's currently being pushed right now that you could support?
12: Additional training for officers, 100%. We have to have the resources to handle the situation and the calls the way the public wants us to do it.
20: But if you look at the George Floyd situation, I mean, Officer Chauvin, the senior officer, had been on for over two decades. He was the most trained person there. Doesn't that sort of fly in the face of the training argument, that it's not just about training, that there may be some other... Uh, cultural issues at play within the department if someone can stand there on video and you know, allegedly murder someone.
12: I think to get it right we have to take the time. If we rush it through, it could have ramifications that we're just not looking to see.
27: And let's have a thoughtful uh, process that takes place over a period of time where we have dialogue from community leaders, where we have dialogue from police leaders, in the administrative side and the union side. But let's do it, let's not do it in a vacuum. Let's not rush to get it done overnight or in a week and a special session. We have more of a focus on safety and security of the citizens of Minneapolis right now than defeating bills that they wanna rush through over the cover of darkness. We need time, everybody's gotta take a breath.
20: Everybody's got to take a breath. Those comments likely to be seen as very controversial, especially in the case of George Floyd and for those who have been calling for drastic police reform here in the city of Minneapolis. Brianna.
25: All right, Josh and Angela to talk about how he has forced this conversation upon a lot of people, uh, and, and that's, that's a lot of what needs to happen, too, as we continue moving forward to become anti-racist and to talk about not just the painful history, but the painful reality in this country on a daily basis.
3: Yeah, I appreciate um, at least your word choice on two of the things that you mentioned. One is how we become anti-racist, and it is going to take a very deliberate effort because we know this country was built on a system of oppression um, and systemic racism, um, white supremacy. So in order to um, tear down all of that, you have to uproot a lot of what is this country's foundation. That is going to make a lot of people uncomfortable. Um, The ways in which so many of us are uncomfortable every single day. I say all the time, I refuse to be uncomfortable any longer so that you
12: can be comfortable. What that problem. Uh,
28: And he also uh, talked about uh, uh, leaning into the culture war uh, that he sees as his political comfort zone after uh, police stopped protesters in Lafayette Park outside the White House last night from ripping down a statue of Andrew Jackson.
26: We are looking at. Long-term jail sentences for these vandals and these hoodlums and these anarchists and agitators and call them whatever you want. Some people don't like that language, but that's what they are. They're bad people. They don't love our country.
28: Vandals, hoodlums, Anarchists, bad people who don't love our country. That is how he's lumping the uh, protests across the country uh, against uh, police abuses. Uh, and it's uh, consistent with the pre- president's pattern of dividing uh, Americans for his political benefit.
25: I'm obviously reminded of the tweet that he said not that long ago, where he said, in part, when the shooting starts, uh, the looting, or when the looting starts, the shooting starts. And that's something that, you know, a lot of Republicans close to him privately started to take issue with. And this is another example of something that President Trump is doing, apparently, to fan the flames and sort of, you know, exacerbate these racial tensions that we're already seeing play out throughout the country. And racial tensions is generous. These are overt and egregious acts of extreme racism. The news for Bubba Wallace is just one example of what we've seen. And, you know, I think that what's interesting is the president likes to lament the fact that he thinks news against him is fake news. News, but he's consistently only pushing one side of the narrative on this. He's not acknowledging the motivation for the protest, the problems with police brutality, the problems with racism, systemic and systematic. He's not talking about these broader issues that black Americans are facing. The only thing we really hear from him is that he's done more for black Americans than any president since Abraham Lincoln, and that unemployment is so low for black Americans that we should be happy. That is not the narrative of America, and that is missing. All those things and more are missing when he's tweeting out these videos that are instead plays, it seems, to his base, that love that type of red meat.
5: Striking to me is that while there are those trying to play wedge politics or drive a wedge there, and the president is clearly one of them, again, Bakari, what NASCAR and others are saying is no thanks, no thanks. It seems Mm -hmm. to be that whatever might have been receptive to wedge politics before isn't as receptive now.
16: Well, let's be hopeful. Um, and right now we see history is changing and history is turning. And this is when you have to ask yourself a very simple question. What side of history are you going to be on and how are you going to be remembered? And I think that, that many of us have, have echoed for a long period of time that Donald Trump was going to be on the wrong side of history. And he appears to do so. I mean, you can choose the side of Bull Connor, Lester Maddox, and George Wallace if you want.
9: What's the difference? We need to uproot America put it. They want to literally, they want this. Liking Trump to bull Connor and Wallace. They're just putting people at more harm because they don't want this to stop. They, they're torn between locking everybody in their house for COVID so that Biden will win. And now there's literally articles that I, I'm not covering today, but it, it'll grow steam and then I'll cover it next podcast saying there shouldn't be debates. Because yesterday, Biden came out from his fucking goddamn basement, and he literally said 120 million Americans have died of COVID. And then 150 million have died from gun violence, or 100, or whatever. I saw a meme that now most of America's dead. And I know they slip of the tongues, but that's who he is. That's all he does, and they're scared about those things. I mean, the only thing Trump's good at is free-flowing. It works for his base in middle-of-America people. But what is the difference between the BLM guy burn it down and you using the King's English on CNN saying burn down the country? There is no difference. And so what do people do? They burn it down. Protesters attack Wisconsin Senator in overnight unrest. Protest in Madison turned destructive and violent. This is from Mediate, by the way. I took it from a liberal site. Violent on Tuesday night when two statues were destroyed near the Wisconsin state capitol. A state senator was attacked by demonstrators as the country continues to witness protests followed by the death of Floyd. Uh, After the arrest of Devarn Johnson, Johnson, African-American activist was taken into custody after he reportedly brought a megaphone and a baseball bat inside of a restaurant and was forcibly apprehended after he appeared to resist arrest. Johnson's arrest prompted new outrage in Madison, which led to destructive protests, and it sounded like this.
23: He was Horus. He was stolen and plagiarized from ancient Egypt and still carved in the pyramids till today. Now, Jesus, good ship, Jesus was the first boat that came across the Atlantic Ocean that brought the first slaves to America sent by Queen Elizabeth. That's what Jesus was. Jesus was used to justify murder, rape, pedophilia, human trafficking, murder.
9: I think I played that in my violence reel, but by the end of the evening, a gay senator gets attacked and sounded like this. I don't know what happened, all, all I did was stop and take a picture, the next thing I'm getting five, six punches getting kicked in the head, Carpenter told Milwaukee Journal, he's flat on the ground, knocked the fuck out, just knocked out, other article, protesters tear down, I could read you all the replies, this is your side. I mean, comfortably smug. He must be mistaken. The protesters are celebrating a summer of love, bringing peace and joy to all. Perhaps he beat himself up. Emily Harper, protesters told down statue of Ford and a Union Civil War colonel, assaulted a state center, set small fire in a city building downtown on Tuesday night after the arrest of that guy. Who's they're calling a blacktivist? I guess that's a new thing. Devon Johnson, 28, 28 who then identify himself as Yeshua Masua we're out here fighting for freedom and justice. Really. Walking in and calling everybody a fucking racist. Really. Here's more sound bites of it.
26: National effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. Washington flourished, but the people did not share in its wealth. Politicians prospered, but the jobs left and the factories closed. The establishment protected itself, but not the citizens of our country. Their victories have not been your victories. Their triumphs have not been your triumphs. And while they celebrated in our nation's capital, there was little to celebrate for struggling families all across our land that all changes starting right here and right now because this moment is your moment it belongs to you i will fight for you with every breath in my body And I will never, ever let you down. America will start winning again, winning like never before. We will bring back our jobs. We will bring back our borders. We will bring back our wealth. And we will bring back our dreams.
21: in the streets. Twenty-four hours ago, people set this Milwaukee house on fire, claiming Milwaukee police were not doing enough to help find two girls.
12: Let's take you back now to how all of this unfolded. Milwaukee police say they searched the home near 40th and Lloyd Monday and Tuesday after receiving a report of a missing 13-year-old and a missing 15-year-old girl. Police say when they showed up yesterday, a crowd gathered outside. Now, some of those people thought someone took the girls to that home to be sex trafficked. Many told 12 News they were upset, saying police weren't trying hard enough to find the girls. 12 News was there as people broke into the home and set it on fire. As all of this unfolded, police say people in the crowd fired shots and hit three people. Officers also say people in the crowd started throwing bricks and pieces of concrete at police. They issued these photos today. Police also say both missing teenagers have been found and they were not at that house.
8: We can't allow
11: an unruly crowd determine what that investigation is. What you had today is vigilantism. You had people take the law into their own hands and run off of information that has not been proven.
12: Nick Bor joins us now live. And Nick, investigators say both teens denied knowing anyone at that house and they, they have been found safe tonight.
2: Right, Joyce, and the family tells me they were never at this house. They are safe, as you mentioned. Their family tells me the girls were not assaulted or sex trafficked and, again, were never at this house, which now stands in ruins tonight.
21: They started throwing burning debris inside the back window. You can see that's starting to catch fire now. The van totally engulfed in flames.
2: The chaotic scene built over several hours after rumors spread that two kidnapped girls were being held inside this duplex at 40th and Lloyd.
24: But we knew they needed us, and that brought us all here. So that alone, I think, speaks volumes over what some you know, some bad apples in the bunch might do.
2: Epiphany Connor returned today with her kids to help clean up.
24: As well as getting our point across and getting justice, we also want to keep our communities clean.
2: As we talked, Pat Mills drove up and said his grandmother just moved in downstairs there a few months ago.
23: My grandmother's
17: been a a loving lady. She had had three strokes. She's fighting for her last little life that she got left. I'm surprised this right here didn't just set her up.
2: And he directly challenged Connor's take on the day's
17: events. After they get the right information for them to come back and still burn down the house on some terrorism stuff, that's wrong. And then y'all going to use that to make a move. We're talking about we empowering. Y'all not empowering. Y'all not empowering at all. Y'all terrorism.
2: 12 News has learned police have been called to the home eight times this year. Six of those calls were just this week. None were for sex trafficking. The owners and landlord of the house say they do ministry work in the inner city after working as missionaries overseas.
12: I was in tears. I, when we moved back to Milwaukee, we were doing all we could to help build up this
25: whole community. And so, yes, devastating.
12: So, Nick, what did the family tell you about where the girls were? They had been reported missing on Sunday.
2: Well, they said they're fine. They say they were just with some boys but wouldn't really elaborate beyond that. But, again, they said they were not at this house and were not assaulted. They blame the confusion on social media rumors.
9: I mean, it hasn't stopped. When you keep sterilizing this and saying these people are perfect, well, here, they're starting to tear it down. But it's in my next podcast. The sound by the day is a guy ripping it apart. But Chaz, Chaz was never peaceful. Here is some more violence. Go! Summer of love, the media says. These are peaceful protesters. You're doing fear porn, Tony. Tampa police officers ambushed by hundreds of protesters, attacked with glass while trying to find a shooting victim. In Tampa.
29: So, Jordan, walk us through exactly what happened. We know one of the officers was hospitalized, right? Yeah, that's right, Mark. One of the officers was hit in the back of the head with a glass bottle. He underwent treatment at TGH and has since been released. Another officer also suffered some minor lacerations, but both are expected to be okay. Now, when police first arrived, they were trying to locate a shooting victim, and that is when things quickly escalated. An unusual scene unfolding Saturday morning. Hundreds of people seen blocking the intersection of 15th Street North and 26th Avenue East in Tampa.
30: Officers responded uh, with a possible uh, shots heard and a possible gunshot victim. A large group blocked the intersection, became aggressive when officers tried to locate a victim.
29: A 911 caller reported someone had been shot, but officers were never able to locate a victim. Instead, police say they became victims themselves.
30: They surrounded the officers through bottles and glass and jumped on a police car. We had one arrest made. Brown was
29: placed under arrest after officers say he refused to comply when they asked him to stop weaving in and out of police on his motorbike. Tampa Chief Brian Dugan says well over 100 police officers came in to help. Two were injured. One of them was taken to the hospital after being struck with a glass bottle. Both are expected to be okay. As Dugan explains, incidents like Saturday are putting officers in a predicament, making it difficult to carry out their duties.
30: If we're allowing them to take over the streets of downtown Tampa to exercise their First Amendment rights, and we're allowing them to march through Hyde Park, we're allowing them to go through, where do we draw the line? When is a demonstration, when is a block party? This is the dilemma that law enforcement is in, and, you know, we're in a tough spot right now.
29: And as we mentioned, one person was arrested, 26-year-old Aaron Brown, but more arrests could come so far. No one has been arrested for throwing objects at police. Overhead footage
9: of chaotic and violent gathering in Tampa, Florida Saturday shows police officers being driven back by large crowds of people and what the city's police chief is calling a setup. They just called him in to do it. The second soundbite for Madison. I was actually incorrect. Chaos erupts in Milwaukee during search for missing girls. Unruly mob hurls bricks at police officers. Burned down home, shoots two teens. That's what I played just a few seconds ago. And that's just the tip. Not Other than local news, you're not hearing it. Grand Rapids police are investigating after an officer was shot at while on the job. The incident happened around 10.30 p.m. Wednesday while the officer with the Grand Rapids Police Department was working an investigation near Pleasant Street and Cass Avenue on the city's south side. A source told News 8 that an officer in an unmarked car was shot at by more than two dozen rounds. He luckily wasn't hit. That's not going to make national news. Three teens arrested in shooting Dallas, uh, death of a Dallas PR exec killed after pulling in her driveway. Two additional teens have been arrested in the Memorial Day shooting of hospital PR executive LaSquare Baker, who was killed in attempted carjacking in the driveway of her Dallas home. That's not going to be on the media. Philadelphia, this is in the media. To remove Christopher Columbus statue following clash between armed men and Black Lives Matter protesters. So I can just, Philadelphia Inquirer did a whole article on this. I'll, I'll just sum it up for you. Normal people said enough of this shit, went and fucking defended it. So the city bowed down to the mob because they don't know that normal people are done with this. Nobody on the meeting, including Fox News, is talking to normal people. What do you think about this shit? They only hear the mob, and the mob says everybody's racist, white fragility, all that shit. By the way, I listened to my last podcast. That lady's a fucking train wreck. Just a fucking train wreck. It's just like the guy with the bullhorn. They're heroes. You're a loser because you don't buy into it. You don't believe that America's irredeemably racist. So you're a racist. It's a it's a fucking null void, you can't argue your way out. Put that shit down, sister. BLM protesters clash with white liberals with whip marks. Cracker for sale sign. Good afternoon. I'm here at Marion Square where a group of defending the John C. Calhoun Monument is giving a speech soon. Black Lives Matter protesters have nearby. Some people who found out about the event on Facebook are bringing signs to the park to support Calhoun. Another group unclear what the affiliation is walked past the Calhoun defenders showcasing this. Their sign read, what if this was your history? Put
23: that shit down, sister! Don't do this! <laughs> Why are you? Your attitude. You are a negative condition. Take the word. I know you fucking kidding me. I know you fucking kidding me. I know you fucking. Come on, show them that shit. Come on. Show us that. What's your history? And what if the rules were reversed? You wanna get fucked up tonight? Would you still want the flag up? Don't look at me in my eyes. What if this was your history? What's wrong with you, son? And what if the roles were reversed? And you keep you your like fucking you eyes on the, the ground. Walk. <laughs> sure like and what so yeah. if the rolls were reversed? Hey, give me I some water. What now. if this was your history? What the fuck right, so is that? And
9: what if the roles were reversed? That's like one of about ten I've seen. Frigid phetasy. White folks have lost their minds. White 20-somethings are the problem. What do their parents do to them? Weirdo, liberal, white women created all of this. And they did. Matt Walsh. There's been a slew of brutal physical assaults against white people recently. I'll put a few examples in the thread. Ten so far. Now it's 20. And it's not counting the carjacking. No, that's that's not it. And then you have New Day supporting it all.
0: Lexi, at the same time that that's happening, President Trump last night retweeted an unrelated video of a department store altercation in which a black guy punched a white guy with for for no, I mean no explanation, no reason he gave of why that would be. Relevant. And, you know, I think that at times we, we come to think of, well, we sort of overlook President Trump's Twitter feed. But, but that, why does he want that message to get out right now? And of course, we can always play the game of, imagine if President Obama had tweeted the inverse of that. Why?
25: Yeah, you know, and thank you for having me. Good morning to you all. I mean, I'm obviously reminded of the tweet that he said not that long ago, where he said, in part, when the shooting starts, uh, the looting, or when the looting starts, the shooting starts. And that's something that, you know, a lot of Republicans close to him privately started to take issue with. And this is another example of something that President Trump is doing, apparently, to fan the flames and sort of, you know, exacerbate these racial tensions that we're already seeing play out throughout the country. And racial tensions is generous. These are overt and egregious acts of extreme racism. The news for Bubba Wallace is just one example of what we've seen. And, you know, I think that what's interesting is the president likes to lament the fact that he thinks news against him is fake news, but he's consistently only pushing one side of the narrative on this. He's not acknowledging the motivation for the protests, the problems with police brutality, the problems with racism, systemic and systematic He's not talking about these broader issues that black Americans are facing. The only thing we really hear from him is that he's done more for black Americans than any president since Abraham Lincoln, and that unemployment is so low for black Americans that we should be happy. That is not the narrative of America, and that is missing. All those things and more are missing when he's tweeting out these videos that are instead plays, it seems, to his base, that love that type of red meat.
5: And what's striking to me is that while there are those trying to play wedge politics or drive a wedge there, and the president is clearly one of them, again, Bakari, what NASCAR and others are saying is no thanks, no thanks. It seems Mm -hmm. to be that whatever might have been receptive to wedge politics before isn't as receptive now.
16: Well, let's be hopeful. Um, and right now we see history is changing and history is turning. And this is when you have to ask yourself a very simple question. What side of history are you going to be on and how are you going to be remembered? And I think that, that many of us have, have echoed for a long period of time that Donald Trump was going to be on the wrong side of history. And he appears to do so. I mean, you can choose the side of Bull Connor, Lester Maddox and George Wallace if you want to. Um, but even Richard Petty. Uh, And Bubba Wallace. And I mean, that just feels good to say. Um, Oh, and don't forget, John, Taylor Swift are all moving the country um, into a more positive direction. And the president of the United States can either get on this train um, and be a unifier or or not.
0: Alexi, you haven't been on our program for the past week, but um, Bakari is very high on Taylor Swift right now and her role
25: in all of this. I mean, this. we can laugh at that, and I think it is funny, but it is another example, Bakari, of the buy-in from white folks in this moment to your point about it being different. I mean, that's what's crazy. The NASCAR rally was another example of that. Like, there is so much buy-in from so many different types of people who previously were so afraid to say anything, and I'm disheartened that people aren't afraid to speak out against racism, which, like, you know, we shouldn't be afraid to speak out against
9: that. It's everywhere. That That's the new thing. If you actually show the attacks that are happening, you're doing fear porn. You're a racist. That's That's how it works. You're not supposed to do that. No. What are you doing? You can't show that. These are peaceful protests. You must say it over and over, you must believe it, because if you don't, you're a fucking racist. It's just like the guy fact-checking me. I put up something that doesn't fit the narrative. What's the narrative? These are for social justice, they're peaceful. Twitter. Twitter. Just covered, I'm going to kill a cop is up. There will never be an autonomous zone in Washington, D.C. as long as I'm president. If they try, they'll be met with serious force. We place a public interest notice on this tweet for violating our policy against abusive behavior, specifically the presence of a threat of harm against an identifiable group. Per our policy, this tweet will remain on a service given in relevance to ongoing public conversation. Engagement with the tweet will be limited. People will be able to retweet with comment, but not likely reply or retweet the tweet. Because why? Dear Twitter, clearly you have difficulty distinguishing between threats of harm against a denifiled group and an elected leader, reiterating their intent to do their duty by enforcing the law. Until you get that sort of knock off the public interest notice, thanks for reminding people that Twitter safety is run by hard left. You know why they're doing it? Cause you got Tucker Carlson, you got fucking Mark Levine, you got Greg Gutfeld, you got about anybody else with a fucking pulse and an IQ saying, where Are the people investigating this shit? Why are we not arresting him? Why are we not perp walking all of Antifa? Why are the BLM leaders out there allowing riots to happen? Why? So we limit it because he's down. The poll says down ten points. We got him on the run. Couldn't get him with Russia, that was a lie. Couldn't get him with the fucking impeachment, because that was fucking bogus. Couldn't get him with the COVID, because Americans knew that he didn't kill, Ooh, I don't even know how many people have died, I really don't care anymore, because they've lied on those numbers, and they put anybody that was in the fucking hospital during that time and died of natural causes, also had COVID without a test, showed it on the show. So we go with this. And at the same time Twitter does this, I reported this and finally 3 days later cuz everybody reported it they made it get taken down. This is a black man who followed a white person who cut him off and flipped him off in traffic supposedly. He went to her house, he filmed her license plate and her front door address.
24: Karen, are you okay? Can you explain to me calmly? No, because you're
23: attacking
24: me right now. I'm not attacking you, ma'am. You flipped me you're off. You're ready to take it, guys. This is her license plate number. She lives no, here. Right. This is her address. No, this is not true. No, Karen, you flipped me off. No, you're you can't. cut me off no, and flipped me off, and now you're playing you the victim. Ma'am, would you like to calm down? No, you're attacking me
23: right now.
24: Guys, she flipped me off. She literally clipped me off and then she dro- tried to come home. She's Karen. Karen, would you like to calm down and have a conversation? Why are you? You're not am I attacking her? Ma'am, I'm not attacking you. You flipped me off and you thought you could get away with it. You didn't think I would find you. She can apologize for calling me a nigger and flipping me off. I'm trying to talk to you. My name is Carlos. Would you like to speak to me? This is what we get pick. Ma'am, why are you sitting here crying? What have I done to you? Ma'am, what have I done to you? So if so, you can go around the city and flip people off and cut me off. So you didn't flip me off. Ma'am, you can, I can, I'm trying to let you talk. Do you know her? You cannot sit. She, she literally flipped me off. She cut me off. She I have it on camera. She flipped me off three blocks away and then she slammed on her brakes. I have it on my Instagram. And then I got on my car and I was like, ma'am, why are you following me? She literally followed me. So then I followed her back home. And I said, ma'am, why are you being harassing me? Ma'am, listen, follow, about what? Can I speak to you?
9: Now, it goes without saying that if the roles were reversed and a white man followed a left a, a, a black woman home this would fucking be abuse it would be racist it would be the worst people's responses all the garbage on the godforsaken hell site and you waste your time with this nonsense instead of doing absolutely anything that would actually make people safe this is pathetic Because pe- that's how I found this it was in this Trump tweet Momo, if... i got to get my glasses. I can't read it. If she gets hurt because you're mad at getting flipped off in traffic, it's on your head. Carlos, I'm sure you'll be able to live with it because you seem like a person who doesn't give a fuck about other people. But the rest of us know... Who's the asshole here? BLM and the far left celebrate psychopathy. Yes, because we should believe a guy who literally says in his Twitter handle that he hates white people. You're full of shit, buddy. And posting a woman's address and license plate is despicable. But saying I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop this. I'm not going to allow you to do this to the cities and the states no that that we can't have that we can't have that we just can't we can't because we want this so as all this goes we now have the left involved in it and as we go out to a music break, which would be Alan West talking about the the real deal, and last time I checked, I know he's not a good black man because he's conservative, but he's still a person of color. When we come on the other side, it's a 12-minute soundbite, and then you'll have Schumer, and then you'll have Durbin attached to it. The left is now allowed on Twitter and in the media To say that Tim Scott's crime bill or police reform bill is the GOP trying to get away with killing George Floyd. That is okay to say because we're garbage.
19: And former Congressman, retired Army Colonel Allen West has a message for the Black Lives Matter movement. In an open letter, West calls BLM an oxymoronic and disingenuous group that doesn't speak to the issues most African-Americans care about, like school choice. He joins me now. Colonel West, I know you're watching these uh, unfolding developments in Washington uh, tonight. Uh, one of BLM's co-founders said one of its goals, of course, is the removal of Trump from office. Big shock. But that's not what we've been told before. It was supposed to be apolitical, correct?
8: Yeah, they said that before and they've also come out and said that they're you know, trained Marxists and that's exactly what you see happening. So I think it's very important that we stop having these corporations to the tune of over $460 million being extorted to support an organization such as Black Lives Matter who really do, do not care about those issues facing the black community. They don't care about the opportunity zones, the economic opportunity zones. They don't care about the educational scholarships. They don't care about the decimation of the family. They want to talk about a genocide, then talk about the Planned Parenthood clinics, 70% plus, that are located in the black communities all across the United States of America. And of course, Planned Parenthood was founded by an avowed white supremacist and a racist. So I think it's about time that we do start to stand up and push back against these organizations and stop cowering to them.
19: Uh, Colonel West, the president, President Obama said, I think one of his final messages as he was leaving office was "Keep, keep organizing. Stay out there. Um, I'm not saying, you know, he's pushing the Marxist element here. Uh, You know, I don't know. I I hope not. Um, But he did urge people to keep, you know, community organizing and so forth. One of the organizers of BLM, I saw the tape over the weekend. She said, look, we're trained in the Marxist ideology. This is what we're Marxist organizing, I guess she said. That's what they're doing.
8: No, you're absolutely right. And I find it very uh, interesting that you don't have President Obama coming out and denouncing this organization. And truthfully, you don't have any Democrat leaders coming out and denouncing this organization. But I think it's also very important that we have Republicans stop being afraid, not being concerned about being denigrated and castigated as a racist or things of this nature and just come out and say exactly what needs to be said. This is an organization that is supporting the undermining of our constitutional republic. This organization does not deal with the rule of law it is all about the rule of the mob and therefore it cannot be allowed to exist when you think about the uh, the rule of law and what we stand for in this republic the united states of america
19: they seek the utter destruction of america as we know it this is not about reforming america this is about taking it down to the bottom so they can then rebuild what they think is the socialist Marxist utopia, correct?
8: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that goes right back to what President Obama said when he uh, said five days before 2008 election, we're five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You don't have to talk about uh, progressive socialism anymore in the United States of America. You don't have to get people to believe that this is truly who the Democrat Party is. It is a radical leftist party. These organizations that they have created, funded by people such as George Soros and others, they are out there stoking these fires of irrational emotionalism. And they are seeking to do exactly what you said. And I took an oath. My oath which was, was to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And so I see them now as an enemy uh, to the oath that I took.
19: And by the way, the Seattle mayor uh, has said today that the she wants to put an end to this autonomous zone because of the disorder and the violence. We told her it was going to happen. She didn't listen. And now they have, you know, they frankly have blood on their hands in Seattle, but she wants to put an end to it. So is that progress? Too little too late if you ask me. Colonel West, thank you so much. Great to see
12: you tonight. Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast with Tony Reid.
28: I think I'd like to start off with the idea of having some police reform legislation. Is there any hope that something's going to pass? Because because I know the Republicans have introduced something in the Senate, which seems to be something the Democrats don't even want to deal with.
1: What we have put together in the House of Representatives will make a difference, uh, make a difference in... Justice and policing make a difference in reducing uh, brutality in terms of uh, interactions with police and our minority communities especially. Uh, We're very proud of the work that we did, Uh, uh, that we have done, and will pass on Thursday in the House of Representatives. Uh, uh, What the Senate did, as was said by Senators uh, uh, Schumer, uh, Booker, and Paris, is unsalvageable. It's a, a... Use words, but it doesn't take action, so it doesn't make any difference. It's unfortunate. They're just going to have to up their ante in terms of their sincerity and trying to get make a make a change, get a job done.
28: Is there any hope that two sides can reach some compromise? I mean, you've been in this business long enough. I think you know when things might be able to work out, and I think you also know, frankly, when things cannot be worked out. Is there some way that the two sides can reach some compromise to at least get something passed?
1: Well, would you be the judge. Uh, we're saying no chokeholds. They're saying maybe, uh, you know, they're not saying no chokeholds. I mean, there's a big difference there. What's the compromise? What's uh, Some chokeholds, I don't see what the compromise is. We're saying, you know, no racial profiling, maybe some. So the point, Steve, is the following. They understand that there's a need to get something done. The press has given them so much play for this bare leaves, unsalvageable piece of legislation, and then say, well, can't you compromise with that. No, because it is no, and we are yes. It isn't maybe. And so, uh, in other words, words, for something to happen, they're going to have to face the realities of police brutality, the rallies of the need for justice in policing, and the recognition that there are many, many good people in in, um, law enforcement, but not all, and that we have to address those concerns. Uh, So when they Admit that and and have some suggestions that are worthy of consideration. But so far, they were trying to get away with murder, actually, the murder of George Floyd.
28: There has been another issue as far as the emergence and the, the anger and the disappointment that people are having with police departments, this idea of defunding police. Do you understand why some... Americans just sort of take a step back when they hear that term. Is that something that we have to be careful when we hear that term used over and over again?
1: Yeah, well, I think people mean different things. And and when I've asked people what they mean by it, sometimes I get different versions of the story. Of course, uh, public safety is our first responsibility. We have to keep the American people safe. Uh, But we want to do it in a way that keeps everybody safe. And uh, there are many ways to do that. Uh, does it mean that police departments should be, police officers should be social workers? Does it mean that they should be referees in family disputes and the rest? You no, know, maybe we can distribute some resources in a way uh, that really meet the the safety needs of the American people. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I think that uh, our men and women in uniform uh, are not to uh, be painted with this same brush and that we have to, uh, uh, you know, we have to budget in a way that achieves the ultimate safety for the American the American people in their homes, in their neighborhoods, in their communities. Let
28: me turn now to the Tulsa rally that we saw last week. The president made a comment. Some people in the administration say he was joking. He said today he doesn't kid. So it's it's been unclear about the idea of, of slowing testing. What do you think is the truth here? What do you think the president... Said, Was he joking your interpretation of that comment? And does it concern you?
1: What the president says is of grave concern uh, because what he has said is to be in denial. uh, The delay in any action has caused death. Uh, And this is so when he speaks and says, oh, I don't like testing because it shows more more, uh, cases and he doesn't like the, the political reality of that. The simple fact is... The simple fact is, unless we take on a strategy for testing, tracing, treating, and isolation, we're not going to end this, this virus. Uh, we hope and pray for a vaccine and for a cure, and God willing, that will come along, and that will be soon, and it will be plentiful. But we don't have it yet. And what we do have, the tools we do have, have been ignored by the president. Our first bill that we passed, March 4th, testing, testing, testing. Our most recent one now, the Hero of that, testing, testing, testing. In between, the president has said it's a hoax, magically will disappear, some miracle will come along. And, by the way, uh, I was tongue-in-cheek or whatever he said, about his testing. This is not a laughing matter. It is not a joke. It is life and death. March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, 100 known deaths in America. June 17th, last week, 100, over 117,000 deaths in America. In between, denial and delay. And death. So, so when he says what he says, there's something wrong there, and and there has to be, and I'm speaking harshly to you now, Steve, about this, because it is a matter of life and death. And not only life, but livelihood, and the life of our democracy. Why? Because the President doesn't want to know the truth about a virus, and the, the truth will be where we can Undo it, and besides, the truth is about a lot of of um, disparity and um, among people in color of color in, in our communities. And if we don't know who has it, then we can't help trace and we can't treat and isolate and stop the spread. And that's why we have so many more uh, a, a disproportionate number of people of color who are dying from this because they're not getting in the front door of testing. And why? Because the president doesn't want to know
28: the truth. Let me ask you, there was this picture of the president returning from Tulsa the other night, sort of the tie and uh, sort of a, an image that we had not seen before, whether it has appeared before. I'd never seen it before. The president walking back from the helicopter to the White House. I'm sure you saw it. It's been well, well publicized. What did that picture say to you about what the president's going through right now? Did that did that picture say something to you about this 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 president?
1: You know what? I'm more concerned about what the American people are going through right now, not about what he's going through. American people are concerned about their jobs and their livelihoods. They're concerned about their health. They're concerned about their children being able to go back to school. Uh, their communities, state, and localities, states and localities are concerned about: Are they going to be able to? Um, keep people on the payroll and meet the needs of people in their community. I don't really care how he feels.
28: Let me ask you a couple questions about the Bolton book. I know we just have a couple more minutes. John Bolton said a lot in the book, which I'm hearing from Democrats. They say they wish he had said before. Was it unpatriotic in your mind that he did not agree to say what he said in the book to either the House or the Senate?
1: Yes, I think he chose the cash register over the country. Uh, I think he was unpatriotic. He knew the facts, he knew the truth, or he knew his version of it, and he should have responded. What he did was to say to the House, "Don't even bother uh, subpoena me unless you go through the courts, which means you know, take six months." And and now we're saying, "Oh, the House should have pursued this." No, we shouldn't have. The Senate should have. Uh, uh, called him in because he said he would have gone to the Senate. But he he always wants to keep his relationship with the far left excuse me. John Bolton always wants to keep his relationship with the right wing conservative. So that's why he has to attack Democrats. for saying we should have called him in. We shouldn't have called him in. He should have come in on our request and if not gone to the, the Senate should have called him in. But they didn't want to know the truth because they're afraid of the truth. And they were afraid that they would have to vote Well, they were going to vote the way they were going to vote anyway, but they would have been held further accountable for their vote. But John Bolton was not patriotic at all. Again, chose royalties over loyalty to America.
28: One final question. We'll let you go. I appreciate your time. What type of campaign do you expect this fall? The president made it sound like he's, in the minds of the political experts, they say it's going to be a scare campaign. He's going to try to get people afraid of voting for Joe Biden. What type of uh, tactics do you expect from the White House or the Trump administration in the re-election campaign?
1: I, I think uh, we can expect the same kind of campaign that we had before, one of fear and dishonesty. Uh, And, uh, again, he'll focus on China, getting back to our subject that we began with. He'll try try to, because he's always projecting his own weakness onto others. He knows he's in trouble on China because he has said to the president of China, I'll look the other way while you put people in concentration camps so that we can have our own negotiations. He knows he's in trouble. His kids have copyrights and everything. In China, I mean, the list goes on. He's, what, I don't know, 37 times even this spring, I don't know how many times, praised President Xi for what a great guy he was and what a great leader he was and the rest of that. So where he has exposure, he projects. So now he's going to run a campaign against Joe Biden on China. But we have news for him. The truth will prevail. He won't get away with it this time. We're going to win the House and grow our number. We're going to win the Senate, and we're going to elect Joe Biden president of the United States. And the great, what did, you, what did you, um, Gerald Ford say? The great American nightmare will be over. We must be
23: unified, coming together with
16: everyone who's And what did you make, Senator Durbin, of Speaker Pelosi saying Republicans are trying to, quote, get away with the murder of George Floyd? Well, she
10: has explained what, what that was all about, and I'll stand by her words on this, but we shouldn't let something this historic and this meaningful be diverted by one word here, one word
9: there. You know, each of us uh, who does this for a living counts on uh, being a wordsmith at the right moment. Sometimes we're better than others. Dealing with imaginary things like Antifa. See, the, the media even asked the question, because it's so beyond the norm and a republican would never be able to fucking say that because i don't think a Republican would actually say it no conservative killed george floyd one rogue police officer did but that's where we've gotten and it's okay last podcast 1619 was running with uh uh, white supremacists are running around New York using fireworks to scare black people. Part of your violence thing was black people chasing white people with fireworks, black people throwing fireworks into people's cars. But she said it was the opposite. National Review 1619 Project authors apologizes for fanning conspiracy theory that government agents using fireworks. ...to destabilize BLM movement. It was projection. There have been 1,300 complaints of fireworks around New York City. That's an increase of 5,000%. Mark Hemingway. There has been a lot of jokes... ...but people haven't sussed out the real problem with Hannah-Jones conspiratorial tweets yesterday, She missing the real conspiracy. This isn't just about New York firemen organizing a campaign to deprive protesters of precious sleep or pave the way for artillery attacks on citizens. In fact, I'm reliably informed that on July 4th there will be a shock and awe-level firework and every city in America in order to reinforce a fraudulent notion that America was born in 1776. The goal of these fireworks is ultimately to dele- delegitimize the entire 1619 project by celebrating a document that states that all men are created equal when we- We know that all men are equal, but some men are more equal than others. Even more disturbing is this. Some are counter-offensive against the revolution will be funded by millions of corporate money and organized in conjunction with the highest level of government leadership. The conspiracy goes all the way to the top. In conclusion, where's my fucking Pulitzer? But this lady who now is writing school books for children... In 1995, and remember, everything is on. You, you can't say, which I saw a lot of lefties trying to defend this lady saying, oh, this is you're digging in the past. Asher Ali was doing it. They dig everything up on conservatives. We're going back to 1619 to say America's fucking racist. This is her op ed. Nicole's Hannah, sophomore. I was shocked and disgusted when I read Fred Kelly's article in the November 9th issue of The Observer. The responsible editor would print an article that applauds and dignifies the white race's rape, plunder, and genocide of a whole race of people. I find it hard to believe the same members of the white race can have the audacity and hypocrisy to call any other culture savage. The white race is the biggest murderer, rapist, pillager, and thief of modern world. Europeans have colonialized colonized, sorry, and destroyed the indigenous population on every continent of this planet. They have committed genocide against cultures that have never offended them and the greed and insatiable desire to control and dominate every non-white culture. Christopher Columbus and those like him were no different than Hitler, and I'm dead, I'm not reading anymore. It goes on. It is at least a 1,500 word screed. It was printed. That's her. Somebody finally asked her yesterday, oh no, I don't think all whites are savages. She does. She's in charge of it. Tim Scott, who all this is about, and I threw the nadler on that sound bumper, Antifa's fake too. A black man who put up a bill that they filibustered and wouldn't vote for. He, this week, and this is not this is not news. Nobody covered it. CNN didn't have a, a, a segment on this is horrible. Tim Scott plays with GOP colleagues a taste of vulgar racist messages he and his staff have received. The hate has intensified and Scott leads police reform effort. What did the messages say? One of the messages including a person calling Scott Uncle Tom, a play on the racist Uncle or Uncle Tim, excuse me, play on the racist Uncle Tom insult, saying Scott was the lowest piece of shit this country's ever produced. A second message Scott played was filled with profanity and had been left with Scott's staff assistants after the assistant hung up on the person for refusal to stop cursing. How did the GOP colleagues react? Shocked to learn at lunch about hateful messages to Tim Scott, our leader of police reform, for people who think somehow a black Republican can't lead an effort because only Democrats are qualified to talk about race police reform. It was okay. Then he went out. New Senate Dems filibuster procedural vote on GOP police reform. Measure fails, 55-45, needed 60. Jones, Manchin, King are the only Dems who voted for it. Tim Scott, I offer Democrats a chance to offer at least 20 amendments. They walked out. Don't let anyone convince you this was about debates or amendments. It's about politics and a refusal to find a solution because I realize it wasn't what was being offered today, it was who was offering it. House Democrats offered Republican no amendment opportunities. Senate Republicans offered Democrats at least 20, and they did nothing. Because they don't want him to write the bill. Here's Tim Scott.
23: How does that work around the country when instead of getting 70% of what you wanted, today and tomorrow and next week you get zero and you're going to wait until the election to get more. Okay. Well, why wouldn't you take the 80% now, see if you can win the election and add on the other 20%. percent you got to be kidding me. Because the who matters. They cannot allow this party to be seen
9: as a party that reaches out to all communities in this nation. And unfortunately, without the kind
22: of
23: objectivity in the media that is necessary to share the message of what's actually happening, no one will ever know.
9: The media, nothing, nothing, nothing. This is what they do all the time. If when Trump did his fucking prison reform bill, no, not good. Not going to cover it. Only Van Jones said it was a positive thing. Because it's not about reforming police. Or, excuse me, reimagining. It's about politics. It's an election year. That's all they care about. Greg Gutfeld, when you see protesters attacking other monuments in Lafayette Square, you realize they're the least fit, least able people on earth. They succeed because no one wants to hurt them. We're all like people who would rather take the spider outside than crush it. That's this revolution they're talking about. It's a fucking joke. And I will guarantee you, as sure as I'm a fat, bald man, no fucking way this will happen when Biden's going to be president. He's going to be president. It won't happen. It just won't. It'll be crushed. They will fucking crush it. Because guess what? We can't have that. I mean, we're in such a reverse world right now. During a course of a House Energy and Commerce subcommittee hearing on consumer protection and commerce, Chairwoman Representative Janice Schakowsky from Illinois, a Democrat, actually claimed that Facebook and Twitter favor conservatives despite mountains of evidence that conservatives are more likely to get banned, flagged, or fat-checked. Don't be fooled by made-up claims of bias against conservatives. Today, it seems there's a less of a bias against conservatives and rather a bias for conservative. A brief perusal lists people have been banned on Twitter and Facebook show that literally all of them are conservatives or Trump supporters. It, it's what we do. Joy Reid Who's been caught doing homophobic and racist shit? She's taking over hardball. That's, that's where we're going. Yamichi El Cinder apparently has a new journalistic duty defending vandals who pull down monuments. Her tweet President Trump said many of the people trying to pull down statues don't know what the statue means and who the statues commemorate. Note. Protesters say they understand who the statues commemorate, and the images of those people—many who owned and enslaved people—should be gone. Replies: You're an embarrassment to journalism. Note: You're arguing that protesters pulled down a statue of Union General Ulysses Grant, who famous a famous abolitionist, Han Christian Haig, Know exactly who they are. Another: Thanks for added context. So you're saying the protesters understand Lincoln, Hague, and Ford statue? They think the statue commemorating women's suffrage owned slaves? Man, what a public service. Stephen Miller, thank you for speaking on their behalf and confirming they know Grant, Lincoln, and Hague, but are tearing down them down regardless. It certainly clarifies everything. But that's what they do. By not showing the violence, by not covering the the violence, by fact-checking and censoring and taking flyers down, which has happened to me and about every conservative I know, that show what this whole shit show's about, which is not black lives, and it's not George Floyd. It's an election. Stupid. We just live in an upside world, which takes us to our This is America. This This is pretty bad. This is the Cuomo show again with his brother. And then, because we're not about facts, Chris Cuomo, or his brother, Governor Cuomo, excuse me, literally said because the big thing is Florida sucks and New York's great. Even though the numbers don't show that on COVID, they played politics, he said, and they lost.
23: This is America. Don't catch you slipping up, don't catch you slipping up, look what I'm whipping up, this is America, don't catch you slipping up, don't catch you slipping up, it's time for the last cell it's fight, like the media say when they are pushing up. liberal agenda stories.
19: And this is America
12: in 2019.
7: Hey, in my area. my area, I got this track. hey. Uh, nursing homes. Uh, people died there. They didn't have to. It was mismanaged, and the operators have been given immunity. What do you have to say about that?
22: Uh, the, uh, several statements that are uh, not correct, but that's okay. It's your show. You say whatever you want to say.
7: Uh, me having you on the show is an unusual thing. We've never really done it, uh, but this was an unusual time, and there were unusual needs. And you stepped up in an unusual way that really was created by a vacuum of power on the federal level. You're not the only one. There were other governors. And you've been very good and collaborative with Hogan down in Maryland and Whitmer and DeWine and the ones up in the Northeast region. Um, but these unusual times have uh, demonstrated some unusual characteristics in people. And of course, I won't always be able to keep having you on the show. Uh, it'll never be seen as fair in people's eyes. And we both get that, and that's okay. You've got plenty of people to talk to. But I want you to know uh, that you know, June's a big month for us, right? We got Mom and Pop's anniversary on the fifth. We got Pop's birthday on the fifteenth, and uh, this is what he always wanted. He was proud when you became governor because of what he'd know. He knew you'd do. Remember that whole talk he gave us about I'm not pride, proud. I don't believe in pride. Pride's deadly sin, and blah all that. What he wanted to see is what you do with the opportunity, and everything that he ever said mattered to him about public service is what you demonstrated right here. And right now, during this period, when your state needed it most. And I hear it all the time. Not everybody likes you. Not everybody likes me. Everybody seems to like Pop now. That's the benefit of being out for a while, maybe gone. I just hope you recognize what even I'm able to recognize, being spawned from the same wolf pack. I hope you are able to appreciate what you did in your state and what it means for the rest of the country now and what it will always mean to those who love and care about you the most. I'm wowed by what you did, and more importantly, I'm wowed by how you did it. This was very hard. I know it's not over, but obviously I love you as a brother. Obviously I'll never be objective. Obviously I think you're the best politician in the country. Um, but I hope you feel good about what you did for your people because I know they appreciate it. Nothing's perfect. You'll have your critics. Thank you. But I've never seen anything like what you did, Thank and you. that's why I'm so happy to have had you on the show. Um, and I hope you know that. Unusual times, right? He's my big brother. I love him. Of course, I'm not objective. But let's call it straight. Look at the state. Look at the numbers. Look at New Jersey. Look at Connecticut. Look how they came together. Yeah, he's my brother. That's There's no question. I could cry about it in a second. But the results are there for all to see. Was it perfect? No. You tell me what is. But look at the state archives. You uh, will have a mandatory quarantine,
22: and you'll be fined. I think most people are going to honor it. Uh, You know, they understand why we're doing this. Uh, we have one of the lowest infection rates in the United States right now. We had one of the highest, as you know. We worked very hard in New York, and the people of New York sacrificed for the past three months. They closed down, they wear masks, they socially distance. We have the virus under control, and we don't want to see it go up again. Uh, it's that simple, and people understand that. So I think they're going to, uh, I think they're going to honor it. No. uh... because people uh... at the end of the day uh... they get it now it took them too long to get it but this country gets it now
0: remember when florida did this to new yorkers and i remember you being not so pleased and calling it political at that time so what's different now
22: oh it's still highly political look i've said the same thing for three months uh... you could just uh, play the tape Uh, I was listening to Sanjay on the section before. Three months ago, I said, we're playing politics with this virus, and the virus is going to win. It was all politics. And the virus, you can't beat a virus with politics. A virus isn't democratic or republican. Uh, We were in political denial, and people were saying, don't worry about it. It's only the flu. Go about your business. Open the economy. Liberate, liberate, liberate New York uh... we took a different track in this state but i said it's going to catch up with us and you're going to see that virus go up and you're going to lose americans you don't need to lose and it's actually going to hurt the economy it's not going to help the economy you open up the economy too fast the virus goes up the stock market is going to go down and that's right where we are uh... and we can't deny it anymore uh... we played politics and we lost now follow the science that's what it's been about from day one. And what we're saying in New York is, look, we did the right thing. And New York has paid a terrible cost, as you know, Allison. Yeah. Uh, they've been locked up. They've been closing their businesses. We have the virus under control, finally. We had to flatten the curve. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to go back.
0: Remember back in May when Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida had talked about how basically blocking people from hotspots at that time, New York, had been very effective for Florida. So let me play that for you to remind you.
27: I quarantined them in March, and everyone in New York media was blowing a gasket. How could you do this? That was the right decision. That was the number one landing pad. Had we not done the quarantine, you would have had way more cases, hospitalizations, the whole nine yards. Um, I have no doubt that that quarantine
16: saved lives.
0: So, what do you say to him today, now that the tables have turned?
22: Oh, I say to them all, look at the numbers. You played politics with this virus and you lost. You told the people of your state, and you told the people of this country, White House, uh, don't worry about it. Just open up, go about your business, this is all uh, democratic uh, uh, hyperbole. Oh, really? Uh, Now you see 27 states with the numbers going up. You see the death projections going up. You see the economy going down. It was never politics. It was always science. Uh, And they were in denial. And denial is not a life strategy. Uh, You see uh, now they're saying, well, don't worry. It's not really that the virus is going up. Just the testing numbers are going up. I don't even know what that means mathematically. Uh, And forget that. Your hospital beds are filling up. You know what that means when your hospital beds fill up? It means more people are getting sick. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening. And it's now undeniable. This country paid a terrible price. We today, Allison, have the lowest hospitalization rate since this started. Today? You're saying New York today is setting a record? Yes, I'm going to announce the numbers uh, later this morning, Uh, but the lowest hospitalization rate since we started were under 1,000 people hospitalized for coronavirus, 996. Uh, That is the lowest number since we started. Uh, we have 17 deaths today, which is one of the lowest numbers since we started. Wow. Uh, so this, this is after three months, Allison, of everyone working hard and doing the right thing and taking this seriously. Uh, I got lambasted by everyone saying, just open up the economy. Uh, you're overreacting. Uh, don't listen to all these scientists who are saying the virus could go up. That's just fear mongering. Uh, It wasn't. It was, they were facts, and facts are facts, even in this crazy political environment, even at this crazy political time. Uh, And uh, the people who played politics now are causing this nation great havoc. You're seeing it all across the country. You're seeing the deaths numbers go go up. We'll lose tens of thousands of more Americans. It's a real American tragedy that we're living through right now.
9: Christopher C. Cuomo. Not objective, but true. The fact tells a story. New York had and has its struggles, but they're doing way better than what we see elsewhere, and no way that happens without the love gov dishing the real 24-7. He works with relentless intensity, and New York's better for it. And as a brother, I'm proud. Yeah. Drew Holden. Media described the work as not objective, but true, when talking about the defining issue of our time as telling. New York City coronavirus outbreak grew so large by early March that it became the primary source of new U.S. infections. New research, and we've done this before, but this is a new one. 82 of the southern, 78 of the Midwest, 78 of the Central America, and 43% of the Northwest. Cases of COVID came from New York. When the rich people left which is 50,000 of them. That's how it spread. Your brother is a mass murderer. He knowingly and deliberately sent COVID patients to a nursing home. He absolutely knew the consequences and got away with it. Who has the most deaths per capita for COVID? Who has the least? Tell that to the families of thousands who died in nursing homes. This is revisionist history. This is what we do. Fredo, your brother is responsible for hundreds if not thousands of elderly deaths solely and exclusively because of this order. Read it. Look at the number of deaths because of it and then tell everyone how proud you are. Fuck you and your brother. Stephen Miller, this might be the most unethical thing put on a news network in modern history and they all know it. People like Jake Tapper just turn the other cheek and play the part Jeff Zucker wants them to play. Pretend they aren't part of this. Here there would be multiple calls from the media reporters to shut Fox down if they did this. Margaret Sullivan would go full paid plaid and Seltzer and Darcy would be rage melting on Twitter and their newsletter. MMFA would be lathering themselves in lube and pounding Red Bulls. Yasher Ali. This has been an issue for some time now. Remember, he's a liberal, but it's getting way out of hand. The governor isn't facing critical line of questioning. I don't blame Chris. That's his brother. But that's why he shouldn't have allowed to go on his brother's show after the first, second, and third appearance. Frank Luntz, New York has the highest coronavirus death rate of any state. David Mack, two coast, one virus. How New York suffered nearly ten times the number of deaths of California. Matt Pierce, in California, the rate of positive COVID-19 tests are going up, hospitalized are going up, and ICU admission are going up. It's highly likely that the surge is connected to mass protests that erupted in recent weeks of the death of George Floyd, says L.A. Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer. But what was national? New York Post, BLM protests have not led to a spike in coronavirus cases, study says. Eckham draw. When tracers purportedly don't ask, uh, purposely don't ask if you tend a pro- protest, hard to track infection at said protest. Because that's what they were told. It's criminal. So once again, I'm supposed to believe there's no violence. I'm supposed to believe that America's fucking an evil irredeemably racist organization but you have lied on COVID from day one media you're telling us the state with the most viruses did it the best and it's just not Chris Cuomo it's everywhere and then you double down with nobody covering Peter Zork handwritten notes General Flynn legal defense called totally exculpatory are released tech no fog zork notes from 1417 released in Flynn case discussion among obama comey yates biden and susan rice biden logan act obama have the right people on Flynn case comey the Flynn kioska call appear legit undercover huber Sork notes out, Obama, Biden, Yates, Rice, Comey, all discussing Flynn kiosk call. Unusual times. Comey admitted they appear legit. Obama ordered, make sure you look at things with the right people. Biden appears to be one to raise Logan Act violation. Threadette. Folks, we do not know that this is from 1417. In fact, DOJ said they don't know the date, but believe it was around January 3rd or 5th. And I wager these Zork notes were of what Comey or McCabe told Zork about January 5th Oval Office meeting. Think about it. Have we ever heard of Zork being in person with Obama, Biden, Yates, etc.? Very unlikely he would be. But like Comey or McCabe called, Zork had told of January 5th Oval Office meeting and to not close Flynn investigation. This is huge because it tells what really happened, and it wasn't by the book. It was the right people, and it wasn't concerned that Flynn was passing on CI to Russia, but nothing wrong with calls, and Obama and Biden were on it. So now read this. Smoking gun. Flynn prosecution was political hit job when Team Obama was leaving White House. Collusion at the very highest level with Obama, Biden, Comey, Rice, Yates. Naturally, the mainstream media will ignore this. Didn't Joe Joe Biden tell George Snuffleupagus that he didn't know anything about the Flynn investigation? Looks like Joe Biden and Barack Obama were complicit in framing General Flynn. I can't wait for Flynn to tell all he knows about these traitors. And here's the soundbite.
6: What did you know about those moves to investigate uh, Michael Flynn? And was there anything improper done?
9: I know nothing about
22: those moves to investigate Michael Flynn.
9: He just lied. He just lied. Because I'm supposed to believe Zork. Zork's a patriot. Because he hates Trump. And without fail, the Nets did not cover this. And that's why it's in our This is America. They did not cover this. This shows... Obama and Biden did this on purpose just to do a hit job to destabilize the Trump campaign who is now president and Biden was part of it and Biden lied and he's continued to lie. Once again, I'm not a Republican. I'm a conservative independent. But from soup to nuts, nothing the media puts out right now is true. It's all propaganda for the left. And it makes one think, maybe that's why they're for the vote-in ballots. Which, by the way, another Michigan official is now being charged with altering absentee ballots. That's the fourth case in the last three months of just the 2018 midterms. A truck in New Jersey full of ballots burned. All the ballots lost. They did a vote in for the primary. I think the polls, which are skewed to the left, are still accurate. Trump is trailing. But I think they know the more people are looking at their TV, seeing this violence, and it's being sponsored by the Democratic National Committee, and they do venture out and read articles about Zork, and now Flynn is released from jail, and it was a bogus case. Joe Biden was part of it. And they don't let Biden do speeches. And Biden sits in his basement. And when he does do rallies, nobody shows up. They're not in trouble because Trump's a good president. They're in trouble because their candidate's worse than Hillary now. He's got dementia. So for them to steal the election, which they will, vote by ballot the compact where we just vote for popular vote against the Constitution and continue to divide America, lock them down in their house with COVID and tell them they can't leave and literally lie to their face that tens of thousands of people in one place did not spread the COVID virus. Sweet Jesus. Yeah. We're we're pretty fucked up. So this wraps up this portion of this episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. I'm not going to do the full closing. I'm just going to tell you to download part B as we get frickin' woke. See you on the other side. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic
23: Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at
30: FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.